Welcome to the Bring Your Lunch Pail Sports Podcast. Let's go there! Presented by Luke's Pizzas. Remember, football is crazy, love is blind. Good luck, football, what a story. Featuring Lucas Clark and Nigel Romain. I'm talking about sports, and I'm coming. Now introducing your host, Tanner Retz. Welcome, sports fans, to the heart of the Pacific Northwest and the pulse of Seattle sports. This is the Bring Your Lunch Bill Sports Podcast. My name is Tanner. I'm your host, or I'd like to say your captain on this journey alongside me. Well, I guess virtually I got my first and second mate. You decide which is who. Nigel Romaine and Lucas Clark. What's up, boys? What it do, baby? What's up, Tan? Looking good in the puffy out in Vegas? <laughs> Yeah, it's a little chilly out in Vegas right now. So, yes, I am not live from the Lunch Pail headquarters. I am in Las Vegas right now, currently on duty on what we call reserve in my crash pad. It's a little chilly in the house, got my puffer on, but you boys look like you're kind of sweating it out over there in Seattle. Oh, yeah, it's toasty up in here. All the hot takes are just... Uh, it's like a sauna in yeah, here right like now. So what's going on, boys? Let's uh, get some banter going. What's been going on since I've been gone for the last couple of days? Man, not a lot. Well, love is in the air, Tan, if you didn't know. Oh, yeah, it is it, Valentine's Day. It is Day. Valentine's Day today. So Valentine's Day, yeah. So by the time all of you are listening to this, you've already disappointed your uh, significant others, or you're by yourself and disappointed yourself with that. So uh, congrats, you fucked it up again. Well, we're not ones to talk. We're recording a podcast right now, but... That's love, baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love for the game. So speaking of Valentine's Day, uh, do you guys have any good Valentine's Day stories? I, I've always thought that Valentine's Day is just kind of a joke of a holiday, just a money grab. But I don't know. Do you guys uh, do you guys feel the love in the air? Are you guys big Valentine's Day celebrators? Um, I don't know if Nigel has any, um, but I guess I was thinking about this earlier because it's like I haven't really done anything that crazy for Valentine's Day, to be honest. Like. Anyone I've dated for the most part is work service industry. So either myself or my significant other is working on Valentine's Day most of the time. So like actually doing something on the day itself is like almost never, which personally is, I think, the way to go. Because it's like, I think last year, Abby and I went to like a Umi sushi, like on Thursday, you know, after yeah. Valentine's Day and got there at four o'clock for happy hour and just like ate a ton of sushi as opposed to like going through the rat race of trying to get a reservation on Valentine's day. Not everyone's partner is as understanding though. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I guess <laughs> I, on the note of people not being as understanding when I was driving home today, um, I was driving down first Avenue and there's like 12 cars parked illegally on, on first Ave. And I'm like, what is going on here? And then and right as I'm saying, I was talking to my mom at the time, and as I'm as I'm saying this, some bozo like cuts across and like does a U-turn right in front of me. I realized it was where Franz Chocolates is, mm. uh, right downtown. <laughs> so it was like all these bozos that are like, I'd rather risk getting a parking ticket or getting my car towed than going home to the wifey and not having some kind of chocolates or something. Um, so I thought that was a bit comical. Yeah. Um, 
but I, I don't really have any any good stories. I've I've uh, I mean I've, I've celebrated some Valentine's days, but I think most of it's like corny stuff. I don't think I've ever done like the go out to dinner on val on well, Valentine's Day. Last thing. year you went to the casino, didn't you? Yeah, last year I went to the casino and I I won like six hundred bucks on one hand of blackjack, which was a really nice way to celebrate. <laughs> um, but besides that, I, I don't think I've ever done like the the rat race try to get a reservation it just doesn't also i'm a better cook than any of those bozos anyway so i'd i'd rather show my love in, in the kitchen that was my uh my labors yeah circle it back to i guess that was the only thing that i always enjoyed as a uh i don't know i guess a hateful person was when i was working uh at rocco's back in the day and there'd be valentine's day is uh, it was probably cruel of me, but it was just always a lot of fun that like people would start to come in. I would usually get done around five thirty, six o'clock, but couples would start to come in on Valentine's Day. Like, uh, can I get a table for two? And be like, uh, yeah. Uh, do you have a reservation? Like, no. And it's like, it's just like a American <laughs> Psycho, <laughs> like American Psycho when he calls Dorsey or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like. Do you have a a table for two at eight o'clock tonight available on Valentine's Day? You just laugh at him and be like, get the fuck out of here, Bozo. Your girlfriend is going to hate you, dude. You're trying to to come in. You're trying to come in and get a table at at six o'clock on on Valentine's Day. You didn't have any foresight to get a reservation. But again, I think all that's kind of silly. It's a corporate holiday. See, if you're being smart, then you improvise. You go takeout slices and uh, bring them to the the park and... uh, February, <laughs> the really nice Ballard, or I mean, uh, Belltown Park. It's a really, really nice area. Yeah. So that's about all I got for Valentine's Day. I don't know if you got any juicy stories there, Tan. You're a man of love, so. Yeah, you know, I was trying to. You you brought up the question on the show notes, or brought up this topic, and I, I don't really think Kaylee and I've really gone ever too hard on Valentine's Day for the you know, 12 years we've been together. There's not really one that sticks out to me, which she might be upset by that. Cause she may have one that sticks out to her, but it seems like every year we kind of go a little low key. And we usually, it seems like the theme has been like, we'll like go out and we'll like go shop together and find something that like, we'll pick out for ourselves for like a little gift. It's nothing ever really that big. Like, so th- that seems to be kind of the theme that we've had going on. I think the, the one thing I do remember is that one year before I was with Kaylee, I was dating this other girl for a while. And the gift that she got me for Valentine's Day was a uh, like a bag of M&Ms, but they were custom M&Ms with the Mariners logo on them and like Mariner themed colors. Don't all M&Ms have the Mariners logo on them? <laughs> What's that? I said, don't all M&Ms have the Mariners logo on it? I guess there it's an S, but just a, no, it's M for Mariners. No, no, no. I actually had like the Trident and stuff. Yeah, on it. It yeah, cool. I know. Like, Just... It was like the different logos. Yeah, but, that's uh, cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And then, you know, like a week later, it broke her heart, so it might be. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but those M&M's never tasted sweeter. Smell you later. Back in the day when BC Dubs was still, you know, in their heyday and really killing it out in the rap game, I remember we had a couple years where we had uh, Valentine's Day themed songs that we put out there for the thousands of listeners that we had at the time. And uh, I remember the last, I think the last song that BC Dubs ever did was a Valentine's Day song that we made for our significant others. And that's was the best gift I've probably ever given Kaylee because at that time we were dating. So uh, 
So yeah, you're welcome, Kaylee. That was probably where I really peaked in my gift giving. Yeah, I mean, if you write someone a song for Valentine's Day, you're you're going above and beyond, no doubt. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, Tan. I'll, that's gi- love. I'll give you that one. That's love. You win. That's why you're married and we're single. I'm not. Yeah, single. Well, sorry, I'm single. <laughs> yeah, I'm not single. <laughs> sorry, I'm single. Yeah, and you also got to hear Shane and Bebe both on the track here, and they're just beautiful, just beautiful voices and just like they're just the true artists that they are you really got to take it you really got to absorb it all of just what art really looks like in music yeah uh, for that's anyone, what valentine's for all the day is all about that's a uh, soundcloud uh backslash uh big cats with swagger bcws um you can look up look up some of the, our great songs i was a feature on one or two in there as well yeah, even Luke had a, a few voiceovers in it too, or at least on one song. I remember there's a little clip of Luke talking. Yeah, sundresses, I think. Yeah, I think that's when I had broke my ankle and I was uh, on crutches, just living a miserable life indoors. But... So you decided to leave the basketball game to go into the rap game for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I think I was just yeah, it was more like uh, intro, less uh, no bars, no bars, but. Enough about Valentine's Day. I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> uh, all right. What do we talk about? Uh, I think we announced it last week, or I announced it last week, but uh, just signed the uh, one-year deal with the uh, Ballard Beavers. Um, not a lot of big updates coming on, but if you guys follow me on Instagram, you would have saw that my fungo just arrived today, and the uh, varsity coach for the team just sent me a video of it custom bill had the little look or the little insignia of coach tanner on the side yeah that's awesome pretty impressed. swaggy pretty swaggy yeah i'm was, glad you I clarified that because i thought at first i was like did he mail it to vegas because why would he do that <laughs> why don't he just keep it at the <laughs> oh, clubhouse now. <laughs> yeah that makes sense it was uh it was the coach taking a video and sending it to you i was like i am clearly missing something here but that obviously makes way more sense that's gonna be the that's gonna be the tightest infield outfield i've ever seen can't wait. That Ballard yeah, C team's uh, gonna be gonna be all over the field, baby. Yeah, I I was gonna ask you guys at some point before tryouts, which are the twenty fifth and twenty sixth, which I expect you guys to be at drinking beers in the bleachers, watching those boys try out. <laughs> Absolutely, try the tryouts. I'm gonna be buzzing uh, like an African hornet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you guys can actually do a. Uh, that's when we finally get the live stream going. You guys can do a live show from Ballard High School. <laughs> yeah. Hey, kid. I just saw. I just got your uh, time around the bases at uh, 18 seconds. How's it feel to be cut? <laughs> <laughs> that popped but, the pop uh, from. I was going to ask you guys. I was going to ask you guys uh, if we have time. I want to get you guys out on a ball field so I can get break the rust off. It's been a minute since I've actually swung a fungo. Yeah, I'm ready. Don't worry, I'm ready. It's been a while since I've to, fielded a ground ball. I'm ready to take my infield outfield. I'll be at I'll be at shortstop, coach. Don't worry. Perfect. Yeah, I really need that because I I have a feeling I I don't want to come out there embarrassing myself day one out there swinging and missing with the fungo bat. I'm also concerned too that fungo is a really nice looking bat, but I've had a history of breaking fungos, so I yeah, hope that wooden, doesn't happen. Immediately. The wooden fungo is a bold a bold play there. I mean. It sounds nice when you crack it, right? But that seems like it's a broken bat waiting to happen. You jam yourself on one of those? I don't know. Yeah, I, I've broken a few in my day. <laughs> I remember the last one I broke. It's a little embarrassing, but the last one I broke, we were doing infield drills one day, and I was getting all flustered and 
you know, barking at the kids because we were just having a bad practice, just kind of a lazy practice. And uh, I hit a ground ball, went past the kid, and I, uh, out of frustration, kind of just like slammed the bat on the ground. I didn't feel like it was that hard, but just completely just snapped it right there on the ground out of frustration. I'm like, that's not a good look. But it's it was a, also kind of cool to energize the team that day. Say it's a good opportunity <laughs> yeah. to teach your team composure from a first-hand experience about how you were lacking it in the moment. Yeah. Well, if you were a real good coach, you'd just break it over your head, okay? Oh, yeah, just Bo yeah. Jackson it. Just <laughs> yeah, snap just, it over your head yeah, like a just, toothpick. As soon as, as soon as that air happens, just snap it over the top of your head and start screaming. <laughs> Yeah, that, we're never going to make yeah. state with mistakes like this. <laughs> yeah, or or you could pull a Mark Lynn and uh, when when uh, someone makes an error on one of those, you just hit it as hard as you possibly can at a child. That also works pretty well. I'm really excited to uh, bring out my inner Mark Lynn during BP practice, where I'm going to get like maybe 10, 15 feet away from the kid and throw as pot like as hard as I possibly can. <laughs> and your then each your time, little like, league, your little league dreams on. You got your. Uh, yeah, is your little league curveball ripping off? Like, or do we need to go down to the go down to the practice field and, and uh, get get some reps in there? No, I definitely need to get some reps with that. Maybe get the old knuckleball out too. That was kind of my more dangerous pitch when I pitched in little league. So be a good the knuckleball. Be a good opportunity them. for me to practice my uh, softball pitch too. It was coming together that one day I practiced, <laughs> but eventually when we get our uh, beer league softball league team, we're going to need a pitcher, and I think I've already signed up for that role so yeah. see if the ballard beavers will get you a set of catcher's gear and i'll uh, i'll strap it up for you <laughs> i'm just during tryouts i'm just out there just yeah. throwing uh just throwing in the bullpen not even paying attention yeah just <laughs> just ripping heat and just like coach that's a 99 mile an hour fastball from little league distance i'm ready to get out there these, these coach, kids are listen, i got one year of eligibility i got one year of eligibility let me come back to high school ball uh, all right, well, let's talk about the sports world. Um, let's start off. Let's talk about the uh, the waste management uh, Phoenix Open. And let me ask you guys this. Is the drinking getting out of hand at the tournament, or is it just enough drinking? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is my uh, bologna sandwich people of the week. <laughs> this is your bologna sandwich. <laughs> yeah, every, everyone at the waste management Open just getting absolutely blitzed. That you love to see it. I mean, that's see. I don't know. That's what golf is all about. Okay, and what it should be all about. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like it's really, and maybe I'm just buying all of this uh, soft country club shit from all of these golfers, but it feels like the waste management drinking culture, as far as I understand it, you know, really started like on the 16th hole, and like was this fun like party event to kick off the golf season and now it's like almost every hole you just have people that are absolutely shit housed yeah. people running onto the course and like into the same getting, getting in fights on the on the course yeah, yeah just yeah. like i mean i thought they i i couldn't tell if this was real or fake but that they like cut off beer sales like on sunday at least at some point really because they had like 30 people like black out and have to be like carted out on saturday that it's like i'm all for i'm all for drinking and like having and you know golf is such a stuck-up sport that it's fun that this is the event that it's like you can party a little bit but it's like i drink as much as the next guy i don't get fucking blackout piss my pants drunk 
out out in public at least so <laughs> save, that, save that for i save that for the rubies but <laughs> that's because you haven't been to the uh wm open that's like that's just like that in my mind i don't want to get on my high horse but that's just some novice drinking yeah it's, I saw a it's video some of a frat guy, boy stuff yeah like, i saw a guy a not... video of a guy literally like pissing himself while sitting on a stool yeah like <laughs> yeah like how do you leave the house and like I, I don't know like that I, I'm all for drinking and having a good time but I can drink a healthy number of beers and still keep my composure at least and not piss myself in public so I don't know where the line is but I think pissing yourself at, at a public sporting <laughs> That's event crossing is line? crossing the line getting in <laughs> fights is crossing I mean you see it at NFL games too yeah um so it's not like yeah. it's a one-off thing but uh, even in an NFL game, if you're getting in a physical altercation with somebody at a game, it's one thing to talk shit. We've done that before, yeah. but to actually like throw punches at somebody is like that. You're you've crossed the line, regardless if it's golf yeah. or football and or soccer or any sport. Golf is such a, I mean, like it's hard to imagine getting your emotions that high at a golf. <laughs> golf yeah, outing. it's like football at least has has the kind of that like. Um, I don't know, gladiator type of like warrior fight type fighting, of yeah, vibe. fighting at least reflects yeah, the vibe. Yeah, exactly. So Ooh, I was... can I can see a little I can see, you know, where emotions get high at a game because you're literally there to yell and scream. But at a golf event, I just I can't imagine myself I mean unless or, they're I can't imagine a scenario where I'm I'm get you know get i mean unless you're unless you're fighting literally because somebody's about to like tee off or hit a shot and they're heckling them and you're the person that's like like, shut up shut the fuck up dude the guy's trying to the guy's trying to tee off and then you end up teeing off on each other or whatever like i i can't i don't know why they were fighting but i unless it's just one person who's reasonable or you know just like uh at the football game we were at that we recounted before that it's like Dude, I'm here with my children trying to watch some professional golf, and you're literally pissing your pants or have your dick out and are pissing behind a tree. Like, <laughs> yeah, like class it up. And I don't know. It, it's it's moments like this that you're going to ruin it for everybody else, and that's yeah. I think really what I'm most worried about. That it's like you're going to you're going to piss in the punch and ruin everybody's party here. <laughs> yeah, I I kind of go back to what I said earlier. It seems like it's becoming more of like a frat house event it, it, like i saw a bunch of people a lot of those people wearing like u of a stuff <laughs> like yeah they're wearing like their university of arizona polo and then they're also pissing themselves in a stool so i i think uh that's not the look it's supposed to be fun and it's supposed to be you know i like the fact that it's a little outside of the normal scope of a golf event but yeah people getting in fights 30 people getting carted out like that's that's more than a more than a rave at the gorge on a weekend (laughs) you know it's like so i i think something's gotta something's gotta happen with that that's crazy yeah i mean hopefully really what it comes down to hopefully it doesn't ruin it for future events because it is a good thing for golf and i mean it seems like a fun thing to go to and i It'd be something I'd love to go with you guys one day, but I don't know. At the same time, bad PR can still be good PR, right? It's still getting attention for the game. It's still getting fans out on the seats. They want to see a shit show. So (laughs) yeah, exactly. Yeah. At least, at least people aren't talking about how all the best golfers are actually playing in the live tour now. So 
I guess that's a good point. Yeah, I'm just here. talking about how drunken frat boys are fighting each other. That's a better look, probably overall. Yeah, uh, Luke, I'm going to kind of hand it off to you since typically I usually write the show notes coming into it, so I have a better idea how to kind of navigate this. But Luke had some uh, good questions and uh, kind of a uh, good topics regarding Super Bowl Fifty Eight. So, Luke, if you want to kind of take over the role here and uh, navigate us through that, let's uh, let's talk about the Super Bowl. Sure. I mean, I guess. Uh... So I'm sure everybody that's listening watched the Super Bowl and, you know, I don't really want to, we're going to, we're going to go over key plays and stuff, but I, it's funny too, because um, I'm starting to think it was a good question because Nigel and I were talking about a little bit right before we started recording is that I'm just going to cut right to the end. Um, Basically that uh, I was was going with the Valentine's Day theme. We don't have to, because I think it's, but Basically, it's like now Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, they lose. Chiefs win. Chiefs have won, you know, uh, two in a row and three of the last four Super Bowls. Yada, yada, yada. They're great. We all know that. And we'll talk more about the Chiefs as we go along. But with the Valentine's Day theme in mind, if you're a 49ers fan or even if you're not a biased Seahawks fan that doesn't like the 49ers, you're just kind of looking at it objectively – do you love are you in love with Kyle Shanahan as your coach or are you in like with him as a coach or if we're going off of the Valentine's Day theme um and not and go is he a truly great NFL coach or is he just a good NFL coach so I'll I'll, I'll pitch that to Nigel first and uh Tanner you can weigh in whenever you want and I'll I'll have some thoughts too but I I mean to to start off there I would say I'm I would say I'm in love if I'm a 49er fan. You've been to the Super Bowl 3 out of the last 4 years, is that right? No, two. 2 out of the last 3 years. So they probably would have won last year too if Brock Purdy yeah, if didn't Purdy get hurt. Yeah, I Purdy still think they that that's obviously subjective, but yeah. I think they would have beat the Eagles and been in the Super Bowl so then it would have been Yeah. So I'd, I'd say that's a pretty good track record to start. I would I would trade that right now. You know, if if you could make a deal with the devil right now and be like, Seahawks are gonna are gonna be in the next three Super Bowl or two out of the next three Super Bowls, I would say I'll take that right now, no matter win or lose, whatever. So I th- I think I would say I'm in I'm in love with that idea of things. Um, he has he. Hasn't won one yet. He's zero and three overall, which yeah. is zero and zero and three. Uh, two losses, two losses as yeah. a head coach, and one as the offensive coordinator of the Falcons, who blew the largest lead in Super Bowl history. Yeah, and so that part is definitely you know not ideal because you want to you want to come out on top of those. But I still think that that Niners team, the way it's put together. The way you know the way that they get there, dominating fashion for the most part throughout the season. Same with the Falcons when he was the OC, having the the MVP of the league and having a twelve plus win season. I would say I would take that any day of the week if it's me. So I'd say I'm in love. Yeah, I guess I guess where I'm coming from, because I I mean personally, I'd probably still say I'm in love. But for argument's sake, I do think that I think it's worth examining a little bit. Because I, there's always this thing with coaches, and you see it all the time, that's like, 
are you a great head coach? And I guess when I say this, I mean, are you in love with him as, as your head coach? Because there are really good head coaches and there are really good coordinators. Right. And like, I think yeah. we all agree that like, we all think that Pete Carroll is a great head coach. Right. Yeah. And you wouldn't be like, well, he's just great. He's just a great defensive coordinator. It's like, they didn't really call the plays, but it's like, so is Shanahan a great offensive coordinator who lacks in some head coaching areas or is he truly a great head coach? And I think if I'm a Niners fan or just in my mind, I'm a Seahawks fan, but I, I like to think I'm fairly unbiased. I don't dislike the guy just because he's a 49ers coach is that I'd have some question marks. And first and foremost, I think the number one thing, and now to get more Super Bowl specific here, is that um, I feel like, it, and you can you feel free to argue against it, is that the reason why the 49ers lost, there, there are a handful of reasons. But in my mind, one of the main reasons they lost, and it was the same reason they lost in that Falcons Super Bowl, is that I think Kyle Shanahan has a really big ego about how good of an offensive coordinator he is. And I think that he definitely holds himself in some high esteem that is like, I'm going to get Brock Purdy the MVP of this game because he's the last pick of the draft, and I'm just the smartest fucking guy that's ever called the game. They were in control of that game definitely in the first half and for part of the second half, but I rattled this off to you before. In the second half, Christian McCaffrey had eight touches in the game. In, in the second half, sorry. In yeah. just the second half. When in the first half, granted, he fumbled it in the fir- on the very first drive of the game, but Christian McCaffrey was unstoppable for the most part. And it really felt like in the second half that I think Kyle Shanahan's ego got in the way and said, I want Brock Purdy to throw the ball, plus like you expect your offensive plays to work, right? Like he is a great play caller. And it's like you got away from you got away from what was working. On top of that, you stop the clock every time there's an incomplete pass. So you just kind of prolong the game and give the Chiefs a chance to find rhythm. If you throttle the clock, they might not ever get that rhythm back. Yeah, but you only had a 10-point lead at at most throughout that game, which is right, but who's fault? But that's one drive away from being a, a score down, you but, know, like But on top of that, that's why I'm saying is that uh I don't have the exact like play-by-play, but in the second half, they had a stretch. I don't think Christian McCaffrey touched the ball until like 5 minutes left in the third quarter. And that included a stretch where I think Purdy threw it like six times in a row where they went three and out on back-to-back drives, including after Patty Mahomes threw the pick. And they were across the 50-yard line. You only had a 10-point lead because you weren't really calling that good of offense. You had the opportunities. It's not like the Chiefs. It's like they were up by 10, and then the Chiefs just like held the ball for long drives and just like killed the clock. Like They got the opportunities. They just did nothing with them. Yeah. Part of that is because you didn't give the ball to Christian McCaffrey, your best player. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's – there's a couple things there. Number one, I'm not looking at the uh, all 22, and they may well have just uh, stacked the box and said, I dare Purdy to throw it. That's our that's our second-half adjustment, and that's how we're going to win the game because in the first half, McCaffrey was running all over the place on you. McCaffrey's still into the game with 30 touches and 160 yards, that's he, 70 yards. And that's because, like I told you before, is that then they went to overtime and they have to score, 
and he got eight touches on the one drive that they had in overtime. Yeah, so well, like, you can't expect him to get eight touches every drive. Okay, well, Elijah Mitchell can touch the ball too. You have other people to play. Yeah, with. And he did you're get a, a you're a touches. great running team. Like you you you're right that I I'm not watching the all twenty two as well, but I don't think the Chiefs were. You can't stack the box against them because if you do, it's like they'll just throw the screen. They'll throw a screen pass to Debo. They'll throw the ball to Ayuk. They'll throw it to Kittle. Like that's they are a good offense. Like I don't think you can try to play anything too one dimensionally against them. Yeah, that's why I think I think Shanahan just outsmarted himself. Yeah, yeah I, I also think there's other factors to the game too that also killed the 49ers' momentum. I mean, you can't forget about the muff punt that bounced off the dude's leg. Yeah, they gave the Chiefs a really good field position, and th- you know that's a factor in the game as well. And I, I do think I'm kind of with Nigel on this. Like Christian McCaffrey still got quite a bit of work. I mean, he had 80 yards receiving and 80 yards rushing, I believe, and he had the tutty. And the one tutty that he caught for uh, was not from Brock Purdy, so yeah, it was still a trick some point. trick where it wasn't it wasn't focused primarily on Brock Purdy getting those touchdowns. Um, as what? far as the original question, I would still – I don't know if I'm, like, deeply in love with him, but I'm still in love because it kind of goes back to the question that was asked a few weeks ago when the Seahawks were looking for their guy – or for their head coach, was that what are you firing Pete Carroll for if you're just going to hire a Dan Quinn? And I kind of go back with that same question for Kyle Shanahan. It's like the guy is consistently – he has a playoff caliber team every year. He has a potential Super Bowl contender every single year. And that's more than majority of the uh, NFL franchises can ever have. Like, it's a pretty rare thing to get that type of thing going on uh, with, you know, with the with that head coach. And, um, yeah, I, ju- I just think that uh, – it goes back to the question if if it's not him, like who's gonna replace that guy that's kept your team at a pretty high caliber? And the last point I'll make too before I hand it back off to you guys is just that I think one questionable thing about Kyle Shanahan towards the end of that game was the overtime. And it clearly is kind of looking like he didn't necessarily understand the overtime rules when it came to playoffs. And that's something the Chiefs talked about that they went over that, you know, week by week, you know, into each playoff game of like all right, this is how it works. If we do end up in an overtime situation, it's different compared to the regular season. And I think that's a pretty crucial miss by Kyle Shanahan in that moment to not know what's actually going on because truly they should have given the Chiefs the ball to have them start the first drive into overtime. Yeah. um, So a couple of things there is that, yeah, he he did say, and I don't know if this is because he's just trying to, he knows he's wrong and he's trying to save face. But I did hear him say is that he's like, yeah, I knew the rules, which I do think he did. But I'd say this falls into, um, again, that it's just like outsmarting yourself is that he's like, we want the opportunity to have the ball third. Yeah. Like you score, they score, we get the ball back and they don't get it. And so I don't know if he's saying that because he like realizes that he fucked up and then is trying to come up with a smart answer. Because if that is your answer, is like that is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Because a like there's still a very real possibility that you're just going to give the ball to Patrick Mahomes with a chance to win the game. Yeah. And b you're also basically guaranteed to give that opportunity because Patty Mahomes did say as much 
that is like our strategy was always we want the ball second. If they score a touchdown, we're going for two. Yeah. So then, and which is smart strategy in my mind is you don't give them a chance to play, get the ball back for a third time. Yeah. So maybe that's an excuse by him and he's trying to be smart. But again, if that is what he's thinking, either A, that's silly, or B, it just falls into kind of what I'm trying to get at. And I agree is it's like the grass isn't always greener. Like I'm not saying that they should fire Kyle Shanahan. It's just more of a like, do we really think he's a great coach that is like infallible or is he maybe just a really smart offensive coordinator that does a good job of hiring a good defense coordinator? Although he fired his guy today, which <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a little to me feels like it's like silly. you fucked up. So now someone's head needs to roll and it's not going to be mine, which they're not going to fire him. But it's like somebody yeah, has to pay. Year after you year. gave up 19 points through four quarters to yeah. in the Super Bowl. Like, what did the defensive coordinator do wrong? Yeah, that's that one. That one's silly. I. Going back to the overtime stuff real quick, I I heard from Florio today that 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 was all driven from their analytics team, and that that their analytics team had said beforehand that they want the third score, and it wasn't necessarily by Shanahan. I will say that who haven't heard as much on this. It does seem though that the Chiefs were much more prepared. Just because they kind of have, everyone's talked about it. They practice this thing instead of just discussing it with the analytics team and saying, saying, okay, this is what we should do. It, it seems like, I mean, this is kind of football 101 is that football is a very situational game, you know? And so what are the things that you practice the most? The pressure situations, four minute offense, two minute, two minute drill. Like seems like the, uh, the overtime, in the Super Bowl in particular would be like the only thing you would practice going into Super Bowl week because everything else at that point is your week 20, 21, you've installed whatever. All of your exactly. Offense, you've installed like... all the offense. Like you might have a, you know, you might have a small package or two that you're putting in, putting in for the game in particular for against, against this, this team. But like what you'd be practicing, like actually practicing seems to me like it would be, if we go to overtime, all situational. Getting, yeah, all situational. We're running two minute. We're running. We're running four minute. We're running two minute. Oh, and we're running overtime drill. Like it with scout team scores on you. Yeah, <laughs> you and know? I don't like. I don't want to go too far down a different tangent here about the analytics team. I hadn't heard that. I mean, it sounds like something, but yeah. it's like at what point do analytics then account for the fact that it's Patty Mahomes in the Super Bowl? That and that was that was the exact point that Florio made. He's like. If you know, if it's week true, three it's, against the Seahawks with Geno, be like, yeah, yeah. like f- we're not worried about yeah. Geno. If he does it, then like he does it. Yeah. But it's like, it's, give why the, would you give, give the Patty... best quarterback in the on the planet a chance to win the game? Like when he knows exactly what he has to do, he has four downs to do it every single time. That's the that's the real one too. That I think that strategy wise, which again, I I don't know if the analytics way into this it's why you always want the ball second like in college overtime is that when you know what you need to do you get to go for it on fourth down every time yeah every series every set of downs is four down territory because you yeah. have to score and that is an advantage like it changes your play call for sure because it's not the same as the second quarter or the third quarter when like you need to be a little more conservative and play the rest of the game that it's like that is an advantage to the offense when you go second that you know when you have to go for it on fourth down and you know when you don't if you're in field goal range and like you can make that a better decision in that moment if it's 
do we kick a field goal or is it fourth down where it's like the 49ers then put themselves in a position where they had to kick a field goal. The only way I can see it being a possibly redeeming idea, I guess, is if you also planned on going for two. And so it's like, we're going to... But again, I feel like then the advantage is to the second team because if they don't get it, then you have a win. And if and if you do, then you were always the second team is always going to go for two anyways. If you would have kicked the extra point, so you're off. The other team is already preparing to go for two and get it regardless. Yeah, I, I don't think that the second team was always is always going to go for two because I don't know that every team has the, and especially every coach in those situations has the balls to go for two with the Super Bowl on the line. Yeah, and you maybe know, it's and, like that. That takes that takes some nuts <laughs> to yeah. to do that. So. You know, I would think that that's probably where their analytics team is in there. Like, there we go, score a touchdown first. We, you know, all we need to do is go out, or it doesn't matter what we do because then we're just going to go win the game on the next drive. Like, we're going to get back to the our our point that we always wanted to, which is next score wins, and then and then that's it. But you're not accounting for the fact that it's Patrick Mahomes and they. They definitely would have gone for two. Yeah, I will say at the end of the day is that I do think that there's been a lot made about like because there's been multiple 49ers players kind of saying like, well, we didn't like Kyle Juszczyk was one of them. I was like, yeah. I didn't realize that that's how overtime went. And I'll say I'm kind of playing the Kyle Shanahan. I don't know if he's as good as he thinks he is, but I will say at the end of the day, I don't know that that's that big of a deal that like Kyle Juszczyk doesn't know what the rules are. And like, I heard Ross Tucker saying this on the radio and I kind of completely agree that it's like your job as a football player is to do what you're told. Yeah. You need to be like tunnel vision, like run the fucking play. If I tell you we're going for a touchdown here, you run the fucking play. If I tell you we're going for two, you run the play. We say we're kicking a field goal. You run the play. So what I need to know the rules. I need to have my strategy dialed in and maybe he did. And the strategy just didn't work. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know that it's, like Chris Jones, like I knew that the strategy was we go like we get the ball second. Uh, if they score a touchdown, we go for two. That it's like, what does it matter if Chris Jones knows they're going for two? He plays defense. Yeah. Like, so I don't know that it's that important, but I do think it is low hanging fruit to kind of be like, were you prepared enough? Yeah. It it seems like the their analytics team is kind of accounting for it being more like a college system, you know, college overtime where it's like, but in college you always play defense first. Yeah, but in college you also each team gets equal chances at it. But you're assuming so. Do you do, so do you do you're this? You're assuming you're assuming that, that you're assuming that they're gonna they're gonna go down score. You go equal it, and then the the analogy that I heard that I thought was pretty good because it does seem like baseball has adopted this a lot more, especially Scott Service, is that it's like uh, ninth inning. I'm not gonna play my closer because. Uh, I want him to be in the tenth inning. Well, you got to get to the tenth inning first. Yeah. So, like, why would like put it in your closer in the ninth? Yeah. And make sure that it, if you get to the tenth inning, then you figure it out. Then don't play for the third possession or for the like. You need to take care of business right now. Yeah. I, I thought that was a pretty good analogy. That it's like we're gonna put in our shit, uh, our shit, or our. One of our other less yeah. quality relief guys for the ninth inning because we're playing for the tenth, and then he gives up so that we get the A then, guy in the tenth. Yeah, and then he gives up a walk off bomb. You didn't even get there, and you look like an idiot. Yeah. So I don't know. I I do think uh, Tanner, do you have any thoughts on that before I move on to some other things that I thought were interesting? Uh, let's move on. You guys hit it on the head. I think. 
Um, basically, what I was going to say is that I'll uh, rope this in to we could talk about some other points in the game because, like I said, I think it's fun to kind of question whether or not Shanahan's. I just think the guy has a huge ego, and so and I do think he kind of like pride goes before a fall, and that's why he's lost three. Well, actually, the first, the second, his first Super Bowl was San Francisco against Kansas City. I mean, you got Jimmy G. He did a lot with a little there. Yeah. Although, again, that was a defensive team that was also good at offense. Well, and Jimmy G's also, what, a yard and a half or a yard away from throwing a 60-yard touchdown pass to win that game? Yeah. So, it that one's it's not like they're getting, at least with the Niners as a head coach, it's not like he's getting blown oh, out. I, got, I was going to move on, but I got one last thing about the Shanahan thing that I think would irk me, especially as a Niners fan, maybe not as much as a general football fan, is that because Brock Purdy's been so successful and they've and they went to the Super Bowl again this year and probably should have went last year, I think you forget that it's not all him, but it feels like it's partially him with John Lynch, their GM, is that these are the same people that traded up to the number three pick to get Trey Lance. One of the worst trades in football history and did gut a lot of their draft capital yeah. for a guy that now they're bailed out because Brock Purdy is the guy. But then also Brock Purdy kind of ends up being, you know, the goat in here that he didn't play well enough. Which I think Shanahan yeah. gets more blame than Purdy does because it's easy to be like he was last pick of the draft. Like, So it kind of goes both ways, but it's like you you did you made you've made horrible decisions throughout your career which you've like compensated for by also like being talented at calling plays and getting the most out of players. Yeah. But it's like, it, if I was a 49ers fan, I'd be like, there's a lot of hits here and there are a lot of misses during your tenure now, but that's every team. Your you team know, is you still say the same. Thing yeah. Your team is still a team. perennial Super Bowl contender. So like, yeah, there's more hits than misses. I mean, you also got, they also dumped a fifth round pick to get McCaffrey. So, uh, it was more than that. I think it was their second and a third. Okay. Either way. It wasn't much, though. They, it, <laughs> yeah. it was a pretty good trade. The, for guy, the guy that carried your team, that allows you to have a the last pick of the draft be your quarterback and still make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So you, uh, you hit on that one. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just I think he does a good job of kind of erasing people's memory that he hasn't been infallible. But – uh, I did. I did want to transition, and Tanner had kind of mentioned this briefly, but to my uh... can I say one thing real oh, quick? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I just want to pick off of Nigel with what you were saying there, Nigel. Like, I completely agree there too. It's just that I think if you diagnose and you like really dissect every single team in the NFL, like you're going to see a lot of misses. But it's like with him, how do you fix those misses? And I think that's something that Kyle Shanahan's done a really good job is that even when there's been that adversity and those big misses, the draft or whatever that's been going on that's hurt the team, he's always found a way to come back and fix the problem, which I think that's with a lot of other coaches and GMs, you don't see that. The the, the train keeps on rolling of just bad mistake after bad mistake. And I think that is another positive about him is that he's able to fix his mistake in hindsight, yeah, it'd been nice to not do that Trey Lance trade, but at least he found a solution, which a lot of teams end up just crumbling, and then the next thing you know, the head coach and GM are gone, and they try again. Yeah, also, Trey Lance might have looked really good when he had McCaffrey <laughs> to hand the ball off. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm he breaks there, his too. Leg, he breaks his leg, and so you never get to find out. But, like, 
he could have very easily figured out like, oh, hey, I can just hand the ball off to McCaffrey and I don't have to go down the field here. I can just throw it five yards to Debo and then he's going to take it the rest of the way. So this is a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. So it, it's it's hard to, you know, you'll never know because they've traded him and you're, you're never going to see him in a Niners jersey with McCaffrey on the team at least. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, like I said, it's just one of those double-edged sword things that it's like, any other franchise, if they made that big of a gaffe, like you would, the GM and the coach would be fired. Like the second that they trade away Trey Lance, it's like, yeah, you're done too. Cause like yeah. you completely ruined this. And there's something to be said that it's like, um, I don't have the draft up in front of me, but it's like, what if you got somebody else in there? I, I think Micah Parsons was the pick that they traded. He got picked at that 49ers pick. If they had Micah Parsons right now, do you think they win the Super Bowl? I think some 49ers would say, yeah, like that's the difference between why you aren't better than the Chiefs is that you could have had Micah Parsons at the 11th overall pick or whatever he was. Instead, you trade up and you got Trey Lance, and now you've like kind of washed that away because you took Brock Purdy with the last pick and you fixed it, which is a testament to how good of a coach you are. But it's like I, I don't, you're – I've said this before when we talk about drafts is that you're graded you're graded by the guys that you hit on whether you draft them or in your misses and just the guys that you miss because they you didn't pick them when you could have right and so like I'm pretty sure that Micah Parsons was the pick that they would have had at least he fell at that spot like if you have Micah Parsons on that team with with Nicky Bosa like I I don't know like I said that's me putting my 49ers cap yeah but now they have Chase Young they also got for no, for nothing. Yeah, well, uh, I like Chase Young, and he actually had a nice game, but uh, he is a tenth of the player that Micah Parsons is. Fair point. Micah Parsons is a top five defensive MVP player every year, just like Nicky Bosa. You got two top five <laughs> defensive MVP players on your team. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think if I think if you look at it a little bit, it, it's it's like I said, he's a good coach, and that's how he covers up misses like that by getting Brock Purdy with the last pick and then making him look like a good player, but. If they, you don't have to go trade up and get Trey Lance. You weren't forced into that pick. You made yeah. the active decision to go up. And again, uh, Lynch is the GM. He's not the GM, but I'm sure he had a part in it. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I I think if they have somebody like Micah Parsons on their team, we're not having this conversation about how he's zero and three in the Super Bowl. That's just my that's just my take. But I wanted to transition a little bit. And Tanner had kind of uh, mentioned his name, or I guess he didn't mention him by name, but. I want to get into my uh, horns down uh, player or person of the week, and that is Ray Ray McLeod, the guy who dropped the fumble or dropped the punt or slash. He didn't drop it; it, it ran in. It first hit it another player's yeah. foot, but uh, it was just. And I got a co. I guess I got a co horns down, and it's DJ Dallas, even though he hasn't played a football game in a month, because <laughs> it just. It was just. It just, tri- just <laughs> it just triggered it just triggered everything that we said about DJ Dallas is that Ray Ray McLeod literally fucked up so many times in this punt, which was again to say that it wasn't Shanahan's fault, is that like that is like the biggest in my mind, the biggest game changing play. Absolutely. And so first that ball is flying in at about the thirty yard line. Mm-hmm. So why aren't you going and catching the ball? That is your first job as a punt returner. It's one thing if it's inside the 10-yard line and you're making a decision whether or not you go fair catch it or you try to let it bounce out. It is not even close. 
go catch the ball. B, uh, it's probably a raucous stadium. I don't know, but it should still be a 50-50 crowd, at least on paper. How are you not Peter call? How are you not calling Peter and getting your guy away from the ball to scatter? Yeah. And then the most egregious one out of all of it is that he tries to scoop it up instead of just jumping on it. <laughs> yeah. That is that is just that's three errors. strikes. Yeah. <laughs> that is three strikes on one play. And so for all the things I said about Shanahan, if they don't fumble that punt. Maybe they win that game with everything else kind of going the same way because you gifted them that that score there when the Chiefs' offense had been horrible. Yeah, and they scored in one play, right? Maybe two. Yeah, I think there was a couple there, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that was the turning point of the game. It, obviously, the McCaffrey fumble on the first drive doesn't help anything, but they you sure think they were going to score points there, but. Um, the that fumble on the punt is just a killer when you're up 10 it's just the last thing you can do you know you gotta gotta execute better than that so that was a yeah triple that was the the golden sombrero for for ray ray mcleod on that just strike one strike two strike three could not have been worse i think another uh another big point in that game Two was uh, Greenlaw going down. Oh yeah, I think that was a that was a real game changer for the Niners. I mean, it didn't. Not that their defense played bad, but just having a guy like that out there, especially on those last drives, you you like to think that maybe Patty Mahomes uh, isn't able to run run on that fourth and one if you got a guy like Greenlaw standing in the hole and <laughs> on that. Um, Freak accident too. Feel horrible for the guy. Yeah, he's one of the one of the most exciting young players. I think he's due for a contract too. Yeah, I think he was up for a contract as well. Which he'll probably still get paid, but still, you hate to see it. Yeah, I did. I did see one thing that, again, Andy Reid. Maybe we can go into Andy Reid conversation about his status if we want. If we want to open up that can of worms, but saw somebody breaking down some film, and it is true because I remember we also talked about it. I think we're going to get to Super Bowl bets here in a minute. But uh, the backup tight end Watson, yeah, you know, got that big catch, and somebody had like some film breakdown, and they're kind of like Dre Greenlaw goes down. The amount of times that they ran two tight end or three tight end sets as soon as he went down went up dramatically, and that's just that's just smart football because you got Fred yeah. Warner and Dre Greenlaw as your primary guys that guard the tight ends. You got a backup guy in there now. They run two or three tight ends. You have to run base defense now. You got new guys in there. And that Watson guy did get a big catch late in that game. Yeah. And obviously Kelsey started to pop off, you know, third quarter, yeah. fourth quarter. So, you know, kudos to Andy Reid. And it's just the unfortunate nature of football that good player goes down and it's like the turf got another one. Turf got another one. And good play callers see that and they say, like, time to eat. Yeah. Like, we know where we're going with the football and we know what kind of packages we're running. I wonder if the uh, if Nick Bosa was able to complain to the NFL about the turf being uh, the problem there, even though it's a grass field, if I understand correctly. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> so know. I wonder, I I wonder if know. he got his official complaint into Roger Goodell. I, I did think it's funny is that I don't really like Nicky Bosa, so I like to see him struggle. But it's like I feel like on both of those plays, the fourth down run by Patty Mahomes in overtime to extend the drive and – and the touchdown, the last touchdown to me, Cole Hardman, is that 
Nikki Bosa is just like not keeping any sort of containment, not in any place to make a play. And Patty Mahomes both times basically steps right outside of him. One time he throws it, the other time he throws a touchdown. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear Nikki Bosa's <laughs> excuses because on both of those, just like you just didn't read your assignment right. Yeah, I know you're a great player, but so like he, you sucked he had a on lot the- of he had a lot of big plays in that game. No, but- he didn't. I, I beg to differ. He he, a, not he that a, he got like sacks, but he had a lot of yeah. hurries and and plays where he put Mahomes did nothing the entire game except for get a freebie touchdown after a, a drop punt and then and then play well in overtime. But so I, I think it's hard to say that he didn't play well. I don't think he had his best game. Maybe not stat wise, but I thought he had a I thought he had a pretty good game. I think, I also I think Chase really Young like had I think Chase Young <laughs> had a better game than him. I know Chris. Disagree. I know uh, to transition into my. Uh, I guess we'll just keep rocking with it. Is that my uh, lunch pail guy of the week? Is I'd probably give it to uh, Chris Jones. And I'll tell oh you yeah, what. Chris Jones had a heck of a game. And I'll tell you why. It's because uh, I do think he's kind of launched himself into this position now that it's like he's always been behind Aaron Donald for like best D tackle in the league during his entire time, but now he has three Super Bowl. <laughs> wins he held out at the beginning of this year and then just took like a one-year deal to you know bet on himself and uh i don't know i feel good for the guy because uh i think he doesn't get quite the name recognition that other players do when it's like he's steadily been one of the best players in the nfl you know who was uh the real the my uh favorite favorite player that game was trent mcduffie and, yeah, I was surprised that wasn't Luke's lunch pail guy right there. That's yeah. what I thought he was going to say. Yeah, I, I think it, it, I heard I heard multiple people on the radio, too, talking about it. So I, I don't think we're, like, the craziest Homer fans of all time. I even heard Coog uh, radio peeps talking about this, that I think it's pretty much consensus that anyone who knows anything about football that watched that game thought that Trent McDuffie was the MVP. I think he was the best player on Yeah. Yeah. On the field, I, I think, think there, I think he was the MVP of that. Hard game. to not say Patty Mahomes, I guess, but realistically, Patty got helped out because he had a, a a fourth quarter drive to send it to overtime, and then a game winning drive in overtime. Yeah, so it's tough, but it's like at least up until that moment, Trent McDuffie was yeah for three and a half quarters. McDuffie was, was by the far guy. the best player. Yeah, easily. and did I? I just thought it was I thought it was beautiful because he also had that big stop where he blitzed on it and got the tip <laughs> yeah. tip on the ball is that uh, I think it was Mike Golick Jr. and Mina Kimes on their podcast is that Golick dropped the stat that McDuffie had, I think, 16 uh, QB pressures or like untouched QB pressures this season, which was like five more than any other defensive back in the NFL. Wow. Which as, long, as Husky fans that watched him at UW, is that like, that really just tells me everything that I already knew about him, which is the guy is a monster at disguising his blitz. Yeah. And then it's just a missile when he goes for it and like takes a great path. And yeah. I mean, he did that UW his three years he was there and he's doing it in the NFL now. And he got first team all pro for it this year. And I think he's getting recognition, obviously. He's yeah. first team all pro. Yeah. He's no one's sleeping on him <laughs> yeah, now, exactly, but, but I do think he was the just... MVP until about two minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then Patty Mahomes went ahead and locked that up. <laughs> yeah, went ahead and took his rightful place on the throne. But yeah, I, it was just good to see him. And I think he, he got a lot of got a lot of uh, got his roses, I guess, from a lot of people, and so yeah, he'll get for the, paid for the dogs. Love to love to see that. Oh, 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 and oh. Uh, 
and yeah, just just good to see pro dogs out there in the Super Bowl just having a day. Yeah, um, kind of sidestepping, but I wanted to give my horns down of the week if you guys are interested. Oh yeah, and, I'm interested. Uh, uh, I'm gonna give it to me. I'm gonna give it to myself because <laughs> at the end of the last episode, episode 25, I overpromised and underdelivered, <laughs> and the guys told me I was crazy and that that's what was going to happen, and that's exactly what happened. But I had. I had a lot of hope it was going to work out. I was really excited about it, but logistically, like we had no no plan in place. We we're just like, oh, yeah, that would be cool, and that was it. And I was like, all right, let's run it. Let's call it on the show that we're going to do it. And we didn't. So I am sorry for our loyal listeners that we didn't do that. Although I do think majority of our loyal listeners were at the house for the uh, Super Bowl yeah, they, party. They got, we would have been talking to them directly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys want to hear our? Show? They got my live. live. They got my live takes. Um, yeah, it's tough because I. I would love to, I mean, I told you this is that I'd love to do a live show for the Super Bowl, but it's just like, I mean, honestly, it's that I missed, I missed most of Reba's national anthem because it's just like the game comes up so quickly. Yeah. Especially here on the West Coast, like on the East Coast, you know, it's not, it's not, it's a six thirty seven o'clock kickoff that it's like, I didn't even sleep in that, that late. Uh, I guess I got up before <laughs> I got up before noon, but it's like you start cleaning, like you get some food prepared, you make sure all the beers in the fridge, like you get some, you move some things around. Next thing you know, guests are showing. Next up thing and... you know, people are showing up, and then it's like, all right, and like I said, then I come down and it's like, oh shit, I, Reba's holding her last note here. <laughs> yeah, you're sitting there on the clock watching to see if you made that first bet correct. <laughs> Which also, uh, I think that's a good transition because uh, Tanner, I think you took uh, some notes on our bets. Um, but did you have Reba on the over or the under? I had it on the under. Yeah, because I heard on the radio it was the over. It was. It was. It did hit over. I'm saying my bet was the. Oh, uh, I meant on the sheet uh, no, because no, when over. I came downstairs, you guys were all like, "She's definitely under." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I was like, "Oh, she must have went under." And then, yeah, no one timed that. That was just more of me uh, <laughs> that's willing you, that. That's you seven it. beers deep before I kickoff. Honestly, yeah, me willing it I into existence. I honestly existence. believed you in that moment. I was like, "Oh my god, I got the first one!" I like, I can. I really thought you were timing it. You okay. seemed so confident. Yeah. Well, I. Uh, I I thought I had some good insider information, so that's part of. Where did you get your insider uh, info? I saw I saw something on I can't remember if it was YouTube or Insta or what I saw it on, but it was these uh, these bozos that were like pitching pitching the Super Bowl over under on the national anthem to Logan Paul, and they'd like had all this. That's your mistake. They had all these years of. Uh, of data that they collected on her singing the national anthem. And they're like, it's a lock. <laughs> like here's her average time. And it was like 80 something. And so they were like, we want to like team up with you to bet 10 grand on this or something. And so I saw that and I was like, I saw, I saw, I didn't look into their data. I just saw there that they had data that said that. So I was like, Oh yeah, it's definitely hitting the under. I, I had the over and I thought about um, jumping on the back of, cause like DP, uh, again on his on his gambling podcast he has Shay and Irving on there uh-huh. and he's like I've seen Reba McIntyre multiple times live lady likes to hold a note I would put the mortgage on the over <laughs> and I think DP is like he doesn't bet but he's just like I'll take Chiefs and the Reba McIntyre over like that's the only thing <laughs> that I would those are the only two things that I would bet on in the game and well, so it's, it was already hammer the over 90 seconds it was 90 and a half yeah, it moved up. 
I think it, it was at 85 and it moved up five seconds, I think. Because yeah, so that's many already people... like really low. Because I feel like usually, usually it's hovering at around like 202. Like, I think is what where you'll usually find it at. So I was already a little surprised with the 92nd that mark that it was like, man, that's a quick one. But if they got, if these bozos say they have the data on it and she's moving through it quickly, then maybe I'll rock with that. So, so yeah, I was trying Fraud. to, I was trying to will, will it to be, uh, gotcha. I, I wasn't <laughs> picking up there. on the context. Yeah. I came downstairs and I was like, no fucking way. She's on the under. Like, yeah, that was, that was just me, uh, completely lying and everyone believing it. Gotcha. So, yeah. It was a lot easier last year when you had Chris Stapleton because that was an easy overcall. Yeah, yeah, that was an easy overcall this year for Although, me. Although, but that Chris Stapleton one, he hit he hit the post on it. Like, I'm I'm pretty sure it was like two o two was the number, and he was at like two o two and one one hundredth of a second. Like he was right on the mark. So that one that one was because I'm pretty sure when I when I hit I actually timed that one last year and I hit it like stopped it right at two o two, and I think that was the official time was like. 202 and a hundredth of a second, whatever, whatever the heck it was. Did Vegas actually have you send your numbers in to confirm with theirs? Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's how they did it. Correct. All the, right. The pit boss, they break. called the pit I boss. I, I'm going to take a quick break here. I have this puffy jacket on the second I start trying to take this thing off. It's getting toasty in here. I know everything's just going to start falling. It's going to be a bunch of commotion. So we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. All right, we're back. We're going to get into some Super Bowl bet results. Uh, last week, if you listened, we, uh, I kind of went down multiple different uh, bets that Vegas had, and these guys went back and forth, overs and unders, which team takes which, um, and then just some different things with receiving number. You know, the typical bet stuff. I'm just rambling here. Before we get to that, I want to mention something really random real quick that I've really noticed with uh, – being in this crash pad, if you, if you guys don't know what a crash pad is, it's basically like a little, it's a house that multiple pilots are rent because a lot of pilots are commuting for work. They don't usually live at their, or sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but a lot of guys don't live at their domicile, so they have to commute, especially when they're on reserve. They got to have a place to stay because hotels can get really expensive over time. So it's usually easier to get together with like, in this situation, there's eight pilots in this house. And each room is divided in cubicles to split them in half in order to like fit as many people as you can. But something I've really noticed, and maybe I'm being a little too loud when I'm talking about this because there's people in the house, is that it's really odd to see like I'm used to like you're like since we all live in the same house together, I'm like I'm used to everyone's like behaviors, what they do, their routine. And like, you know, obviously with me and Kaylee, like we lived together for a long time. So like you you got a good baseline of how things go. It's really odd to see like completely different ways of like how people go throughout their days now, that's kind of a funny take and you can cut this from the pot if it's not interesting but it's just funny because there are some guys that sit in that little cubicle all day they don't leave they don't even go outside they don't see the sun and i'm like dude that is that is insanity to me because like i have to move around and go different places and go outside get some fresh air try to get some tasks done to feel like i'm being productive for the day even though right now when you're on reserve you're not that productive unless you get the call to go out but it's just wild to me <laughs> to see like how big of hermits like people can be. 
Reminds me of my uh, freshman year in college when I was living in the dorms that uh, I lived in my freshman year. I lived in two different rooms because I got there and I they had rooms that only had two people in it and they had some rooms that had three people in it. And I was assigned a room that had three people in it. And so like the day I showed up, I put in put in a request for a transfer, not because I didn't like the people that I was staying with. It was just like, I would rather be in a room with one other person than, than two. But, uh, one of the guys, one of the guys I was staying with, they were both kind of odd, but, um, and I don't even know if this guy was odd. He just had a interesting, uh, pattern, I guess was that, uh, he was a Chinese exchange student. This dude would sleep all day long. I don't know when he went to class because anytime I went to the room, he was sleeping and then would play, I assume, League of Legends. I didn't really know what League of Legends was back then. I still don't really know what it is now, but I know more of what it is now. But he would play that from like sundown to sun up and then sleep the rest of the day. So it was just like, yeah, anytime I went to my room, which I tried to not stay there very often, it was just like, this dude is either sleeping or playing video games the entire time like when yeah. do you like when do you when do you leave because i i've never seen you leave yeah i've yeah. never seen you leave so did he ever go to class that's all i'm saying i don't know because anytime i went back to the room he was like sleeping or it was late at night and he was playing i'm sure he did or i don't know or he, at least he also m- would uh talk to his girlfriend nope that was my second room oh, that that's second when room. i got transferred out okay that guy was cool cameron yeah. he was cool enough but that was also, uh, maybe you'll experience this tan at some point, but he was a really nice guy, but his girlfriend went to Stanford and our desk would be like back to back and he would basically just be on like zoom or some, some, it was on his computer, but it was basically, he was FaceTiming his girlfriend basically anytime he was in the room. So it was like, she was there with us. And basically, it was just like she'd be looking at the back of my head anytime I was at my desk, and I'd like turn around, and it's just like, and they'd be silent; they wouldn't even be talking. It's just like pretending like they were sitting in the room next to each other, and they'd be like working on working on their paper, their separate papers or whatever. But they'd just like have each other up on the screen. I was like, this is fucking awkward. <laughs> she was nice, you know, and he was cool too. But it's just it was just one of those things. So, uh, yeah, to your point, everyone has their own patterns and shticks and. I guess we're used to it because we've lived with each other now for a while. But, yeah, it can be rattling sometimes. Sometimes he would leave yeah. the room, too, and then she'd, I'd like, and she'd just be up on the computer. She's just hanging out with you. Yeah, just hanging out. Hey, don't go through my things. <laughs> all right, let's get into these Super Bowl bets. Um, all right, so you guys are pretty neck and neck throughout this entire thing. And at one point I did think when I was, list- I was re-listening the show and marking down the bets to see who got it right or wrong. I kind of thought Nigel was going to uh, run away with it, but it came down to the wire. So let's break this down. We started off with the coin toss and Nigel, tell me about uh, tails. Tails never fails, baby. Well, I failed this time. Luke, he came out hot out of the gate. Yes, sir. Right on heads. And then he went back to back by calling who was going to win the coin toss, which was Kansas City. And Nigel went two straight wrong to start it off. Not a good start, Nigel, but you start to pick up momentum. We have the first coach's challenge, and both of you said no challenge, and you were both correct. Yeah, Uh, I was going to say, I was thinking that during the game, too. I was like, I feel like we really hit that one on the head. It was a good start, but for me at least, but 
that it probably went pretty poorly. Yeah, and so at this point, you guys kind of go a little bit back and forth. Uh, first jersey number to score the over under at twenty two and a half. That's where now, or excuse me, that's where Luke gets his first wrong answer. He thought Pacheco would probably most likely be the first uh, the score. That was his guess. And then uh, Nigel came in strong, calling the over with Christian McCaffrey getting the first touchdown, which he yeah. hit on the head. My boy. Then uh, the last. I mean, Pacheco was score, looking good too until he didn't he fumble it too. Yeah, I believe on that. Did. That yeah. was going to be the first touchdown as a Pacheco got inside the ten yard or the team got inside the ten and then he fucking fumbled it. Then we moved in over to the last jersey number to score the over under again being twenty two and a half. And this is where Luke smacks him back in the face by calling the under. Uh, he was expecting it to possibly be Debo, but, you know, Hardman will work. And then uh, Nigel called the over, which he was wrong, thinking that George Kittle might be the last tutty, which George Kittle ended up having a pretty poor game. We'll go into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the meantime, Nikki Bosa, we love to hate him. Uh, they were calling two-plus sacks. Both of you called the under on that, which was yeah. correct. Then we got Travis Kelsey – the over under at six and a half receptions. You both called that correct. I think that was a kind of a softball one, but uh, we moved over to George Kittle and you guys both called it over on three, uh, the over under on the three and a half receptions. That was a wrong answer on both your ends. Yeah. Then then worked... Is that what he had? Uh, it was three. I think so. Yeah. He ended, he ended with three. Yeah. Three receptions. Uh, then we work our way over and this is where Nigel catches fire. Brock birdie. 248.5 yards uh, the over under Luke called it at under which was wrong Nigel correct at the he, over. he had to have got that in overtime because he was at like 128 yards for a long stretch because he started off pretty okay but I feel like yeah, third 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 and most of the fourth quarter it had to have been the last drive of the fourth quarter for them when they kicked the field goal and the first drive yeah of overtime that got of those yards because he was Jennings Jennings got a couple of receptions he was under he had to have been under 150 yards with five minutes left in that game and got an extra 100 basically on those last two drives then we move over to Patrick Mahomes at 261.5 the over under for yards and Luke being the defensive mind that he is called the under which he was wrong once again and Nigel once again being correct do you have his do you have his yards on that I think it was 333 yards Hmm. I mean like I said my I feel like my rationale was right because I said like I thought it was going to be a lower scoring game and I think I think that proved true it was 1919 going into overtime that it was going to be more of a defensive game and not to bury, not to bury the lead on anything on this, but like I said, is it's like I think a lot of people are going to think it's a boring game, but if you like defense, I think you're going to see it. And so some of these guys hit the overs, but I thought my rationale was still was still in line. You had me convinced at the time. Uh, first kickoff for uh, Tuddy, you both said no, which was obviously correct. The first kickoff to be a touchback. You guys both called that correct. I don't think there was a single. Away. I don't think there was a single kick return in the game, was there? I think they all went out the back of the end zone, including one doink. Yeah, one doink. One doink off the crossbar on a kickoff, which was cool. Uh, then we're moving into the first team to score. 
Luke, he called it being Chiefs. Nigel calling the 49ers. It was the 49ers that score a field goal at the beginning of the second quarter. Bang, bang, and Niners, that bang. was that was the uh, the longest field goal in Super Bowl history until uh, Bucker came in and destroyed the record about, what, 10 minutes later? <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, uh, then we got Nigel again, again on a hot streak. I think Nigel just hit like seven in a row. Uh, touchdown or field goal for the four, first scoring play. Nigel called a field goal. Luke, he called a touchdown. And I, was feel- it was a field goal. and I was feeling really good about that because we kind of expanded on that when we were talking about it. That it's like, I thought both teams were going to score a touchdown on their opening drive with the script. And the 49ers looked great on their opening drive until McCaffrey fumbled it. And and was it the Chiefs? Uh, Chiefs actually looked like shit were, on their first were there Were there any that you weren't feeling good about? Can we touch on those? <laughs> uh yeah we can get we can get there in a little bit <laughs> just kidding uh am i wrong am i wrong though like the the niners looked awesome on their opening yeah, drive they did. They did. like they definitely looked like they're gonna score a touchdown i think they were yeah <laughs> they it, didn't it, like fumble, yeah yeah it's because they were giving the ball to christian mccaffrey like i mentioned earlier yeah and then i guess they gave it to him one too many times and he fumbled it but anyways continue tan Speaking of fumbles, this is where Nigel kind of fumbles up the game here. Oh. Is that Brock Purdy touchdown or interception first? Lukey was right by calling a touchdown. For some reason, Nigel had no answer on the show. Hmm. Really? Huh. <laughs> no answer. I don't know if I cut you off or what happened, or you forgot the answer, or you were just scared of Luke's <laughs> rap. But uh, I. Uh... Yeah, you- I was no, shaking in that my was boots. the first and only fumble of this. Uh, no answer game. is still a wrong answer, so I'm glad you counted it that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then we got into Patrick Mahomes, a TD or interception first. Surprisingly, you were both wrong. Yeah. Both calling for a touchdown, but he threw a pick. Yep. Uh, I believe that was, what, about halfway through the third quarter? That might have been like the first drive of the third quarter. Or was it later? I don't yeah. know. I was, I was in my cups. Yeah, I, I actually kind of think you're right. I think it, it, no, you're right, Luke. It was on the first. I say because it was kind of giving uh, UW, UW, Michigan vibes. It like me the whole time. I was kind of like, can't like, not to go too far broad spectrum for the game again, but it's just kind of one of those watching it that it's like the 49ers. You keep missing opportunities here. The Chiefs are struggling. Yeah, you got to bear. They played here. the Chiefs played their worst half of football, and you're only up ten points. That's not enough. Like you, you can't keep missing this because if you give Patty Mahomes a chance to win the game, he's going to. And you didn't put the game away. And yeah, I could I could be wrong. I don't have I don't have the box score up in front of me or whatever. But it's like I thought it was just like Michael Penix. It's like Chiefs get Chiefs kick the field goal right before half. They get the ball at halftime. You go out, you score a touchdown. Like this game is back in your control. And then he threw a pick. But then the Niners didn't do anything with it. Kind of similar to the Michigan-Washington game. Except they at least got a field goal. Michigan did. Then uh, you guys kind of go back and forth for a little bit on these next two. Brock Purdy, one and a half touchdowns, the over-under. You both called it correct with the under over to Patrick Mahomes with the same deal. Both called the over. That was both correct. This is where Nigel, again, seemed like he was gaining momentum over Lukey was the Kansas City loses a fumble. Lukey said no. Nigel said yes. Mm. Nigel ended up being correct on that one with Kansas City having two fumbles in the game. Uh, 
But then Luke smacks him back in the face. San Fran losing a fumble. Luke said yes. Nigel said no. And then the turnover battle, two, or excuse me, just the total turnovers for the entire game at two and a half. Uh, you both called the under, which yeah. you were both wrong. At, that there was four total turnovers in the entire game. Um, whoa, hold on. Just lost my computer there. All right, now we're back. Um, one thing I added to that there was a bonus at the end of this. Uh, that would have been a little bit extra points or extra puntos, but uh, unfortunately, you both got the bonus wrong, which would have been your guys' spicy takes. Uh, Nigel really uh, threw a softball out there for his spicy take that should have probably gotten those extra points, but he should have we'll lost. Get into that. He should lose two points. That yeah, keep going, but he should lose two points for it not being spicy and being wrong. <laughs> He was playing a conservative game, man. I think a um, uh, direct quote is that is the most milk toast <laughs> fucking spicy <laughs> pick I've ever heard. And you were wrong. But anyways, continue, Dan. Yeah, let's beat Nigel down a little bit more because this is where Nigel really lost the game. Nigel oh, really lost. <laughs> uh, we went, <clears throat> what was this? Four straight wrong answers to end this. Uh, either team to score three unanswered times. Luke said yes. Uh, he he was correct on that. That was the Chiefs, and Nigel called no. We had Super Bowl MVP you were both wrong on. Uh, Luke was calling for Travis Kelsey after he got a uh, trick play QB sneak, and Nigel maybe he had momentum to be right. The 49ers would have won this one, but CMC was wrong. Well, they stopped and going to Tan- Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying they stopped going to Christian McCaffrey. That's why he didn't get the MVP. I already told you that they were trying to give it to Brock Purdy. If they would have just kept giving the ball to CMC, Nigel would have been right, and they would have won. But anyways, continue. Uh, This is where old Tanner stepped in and tried to throw down his bets. He was 0 for 3. Uh, (laughs) In this situation, I put Brock Purdy as the MVP for your thoughts there, Luke, and I was wrong. And then the Super Bowl winner – uh, Luke, you were correct, calling it the Chiefs, and I think you took that bet to the casino and cashed out on that as well. I did. Nigel and me were both wrong together. United Front both wrong, calling it to be the 49ers winning the Super Bowl. And then to end it all was the Gatorade color, and all three of us got it wrong. Luke with red, Nigel with orange, me with blue. I basically count myself correct. Blue is basically purple. <laughs> I, I'm going to say that's a half of Disagree. I need something. So... You tally that up, and we got Luke out of the 26 that we had there, 14 for 26. Nigel, 13 for uh, 26. Above 500, baby. I'm 54% basically on the Mariners. <laughs> yeah, Let's you, go. You just Jerry DePoto that. Pennant bound. <laughs> now let's talk about the uh, bonus, bonus spicy takes. I'm going to start with Luke's, which he was calling the possibility based off of Cam Newton talking about this idea of Travis Kelsey possibly coming for a trick boy to do a QB sneak. Would have been a fun would have been a fun thing to happen. Yeah, it just uh, it never really it, presented itself. They they'd never they got never in the red they didn't zone. get in the red zone very yeah. often until the overtime touchdown. So yeah. yeah I yeah, would have gave really I would have gave game. myself a win if he would have done it, especially on in overtime when they went for it on fourth down. Yeah. I was kinda holding my breath that I was like Will they? Will they try it here? That that was yeah. probably too was risky much, of a moment. It was much smarter than to just have Patty Mahomes run. Yeah, the ball. It, that uh, that became pretty evident. And then Nigel, I think you already remember what your spicy take was. So why don't you go and break that down for us? How that all unfolded. Um, if you need a reminder, you were saying that Brock Purdy 
would be taking the over on rushing over 13 and a half rushing yards. Uh, yes, that is exactly what I what I said. And um, I, I remember uh, early in that game when Brock Purdy had like a nice little nine-yard rush, and I was feeling pretty good. It was, it was like, like the first drive of the game. Yeah, exactly. It? I think it was the first drive, maybe the second drive of the game. He, he scrambled for like nine yards. Said what would happen? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was feeling, I was feeling pretty confident at that point. I was like, we need one more here. Get a little five-yard, five-yard scramble. We're good to go. And uh, I think it was probably in the third quarter, maybe, maybe early. Fourth I mean, I quarter. remember you celebrating. Yeah, I get, uh, I, I jumped up and uh, got a little hoot and holler in because even though the Niners were looking like crap at that point, I think uh, Purdy covered my covered my spread or covered my fourteen points, fourteen yards. Sorry. Um, with a little five yard scramble, so I th- I thought I was uh, thought I was good to go there on that bet. Um, unfortunately, as uh, as these things happen, um, at the end of regulation, Brock Purdy had to take a knee and uh, lost two yards on the play. And uh, there's my bad beat. Didn't uh, hit the under on that one? Wasn't it a friend of the show, Zal? We were talking about this because you were you were like celebrating, and I was like, he could still get negative yards, and I was like. Do you get negative rush yards for a sack? I was like, I don't think you do. No. And, it, and it's always like, you can on a knee or a designed run, which they're not doing any real design yeah. runs of Brock Purdy, but it's like the only way you get negative rush yards is on a design run Correct. or a QB kneel. And then Exal was the one who's like, or a QB kneel. Yeah. And <laughs> it's funny because that's exactly what happened. Well, I'd be pissed if I was a sports better because that shouldn't count as negative rush. Like, I'm pretty it should sure should be a zero yard play. I, I had actually heard this in between us recording the podcast last week and um in the Super Bowl that I believe it was last year. Patty Mahomes had a similar um similar deal where he I don't know the exact kneels yards, at three straight times. He kneels or whatever. at three straight times to take the under. He loses six yards and ends up hitting the under when he was over on the yards. Um so I'd heard that coming into the game uh, and was just kind of hoping that that was not going to be something that would play into it. I mean, to be fair, I don't remember if I said this verbatim on the podcast or not, but essentially it's like 13 and a half or 12 and a half, whatever it ended at that. It's like, that should be easy money. Cause he, with the magnitude of the game, he should easily get 40 yards rushing. Cause he yeah. can actually run a little bit Yeah, and he's probably going to find himself in oper- in moments where it's just like, you need to run six yards here to get a first down and keep the chains moving. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe the Chiefs just did a really good job. Of, yeah, I think that second half they just did a good job of bottling him up. I mean, they didn't have many plays. I mean, again, Chris said, Jones had a McCaffrey. monster game. I feel like he was he was all over the place. Yeah. So same I, with Karloftis. I also heard that uh, that that was the most bet prop um, of the of the Super Bowl was the the Purdy over. So Vegas, Vegas makes Vegas, their money. Vegas won on that one. They got all the money that they they lost on every every single person and their mom betting on the Chiefs. They gained back on the Purdy, <laughs> Purdy over. All right. Well, that's another win yeah. for me. And uh, as you said before, took my took my money where my mouth is and bet on the Chiefs again to win. Um, so I don't know. I. I guess consider this my victory lap. I'm feeling pretty good. That is, uh, for those people, uh, for people keeping score at home, that is a perfect playoff, by the way. I Every pick that I made in the playoffs, I got correct. It's pretty good. On top of the fact that, I guess, 
I, I was a little worried. Uh, you know, I'd probably uh, try to spin it like I do. Is that uh, I picked the 49ers to beat the Chiefs to start the – well, I guess it wasn't the start. We did it after the divisional rounds. Yeah. And then when the 49ers were looking pretty strong, I was like, man, I'm really going to be kicking myself if – because I now picked the Chiefs that I went – I'd been right for every pick and then I changed Jump my pick and then pick, it's like yeah. if you don't go with your gut and then you get it wrong, like that hurts worse, honestly, <laughs> than anything when you go against your gut. Um, but, I mean, I guess kind of spelled it out when we were talking about it is that I just felt like the 49ers just didn't look as Im- as impressive – uh, during the playoffs as they did most of the season like and I mean I guess one of those that like Tanner had mentioned is will one team score three straight times that is like the Niners have given up three straight scores in every game they've played in the playoffs and they did it again yeah it, it was a little different this time because they didn't start by giving up three straight scores or do it in the first half to take a deficit they were they went up early but it, it they did it in all three games yeah so Again, to get back to my Kyle Shanahan point, <laughs> is that how how are you gonna how are you gonna go three straight games without with you fire your defensive coordinator? <laughs> that's a, yeah. that's but the it, but, but but I'd say at least in this one, like yeah, I guess that's a good point. But uh, at least in this one, that felt like more of an offensive problem than defense. The other ones that, that was bad defense, and the the Packers and the Lions just came out and had a good script. Like you had the Chiefs rattled for most of that game yeah like they your defense was playing just fine in that game for the majority of it your offense just couldn't go capitalize like we said before you th- they throw a pick and you did, you got no points from it yeah i, I mean and then the rest of your team were, yeah the rest of your team collapse you fumble you fumble a punt xyz i mean we already went over this but yeah yeah it's just the, the 49ers just kind of they didn't look good in the playoffs the entire time that actually was the game they probably looked the the best at no one gave the chiefs a chance all season guys <laughs> finally finally well, luke blessed them and uh and that was it that's all they needed to get pushed over yeah, the top I'll give luke, my... luke and taylor swift are basically equally equivalent uh uh pushes of the chiefs over the top for the i'll just give ball. another pat on the back to myself again since you're asking for it clearly is that uh i mean i kind of said that at the beginning of the our picks for the playoffs when they're getting ready to play the bills. And it's like, I think a lot of people are sleeping on the chiefs, but you actually have a great defense and you still have the best player in the NFL, even if he's yeah, not the MVP. Have- so it's like, why would you not think that the chiefs until they prove otherwise, why would you bet against them? Yeah. So I, that's what, that was my betting strategy. At least. I mean, in my mind, the entire time I, I'm still shocked that the chiefs weren't the favorite, you know, one of the best defenses, and you have the best quarterback. It's like if that was the Patriots, if that was Tom Brady at the helm, you, it would be it'd be a seven point favorite. You know, yeah, every, which is why next year is going to be a great so year to just, bet against them because yeah, it just, it just seems funny to me that like in my I was shocked when I heard that the Niners were two and a half point favorites going you know going into Super Bowl week because I just never. Never they would were, have imagined yeah. that. That's what I say. Is that like it's kind of like a joke that is like nobody believed them, but they actually were the underdogs in every playoff yeah. game except the Dolphins one. Yeah, which is yeah, it's, it's pretty shocking. So, well, I know everything. Nigel knows nothing. All right, <laughs> I, I don't need any. I'm just, I don't need any I, I more stats to, that t- prove that. Yeah, I talked about it last week. Um, someone need uh, the thing. The only thing that was getting me through 
uh, and, or the biggest thing getting me through in life was those uh, those awesome Insta reels of like uh, Brittany Mahomes like hollering about how no one believed in the Chiefs, and then it's like Brock Purdy, the savior, with the cool rock and roll music. We need to get one cut up of uh, of Luke talking about him along with Brittany Mahomes, yeah. <laughs> and then the. Uh, <laughs> And then the the savior. Well, there there won't be a savior this year, but maybe we can find one for next year. You someone, see that Brittany Mah- that up. You see that Brittany Mahomes going to be in uh, SI uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition, and that's why she's my bologna oh. sandwich gal, gal of the, the week. week. <laughs> yeah, I, I did see that. Yeah. Um, good for her. I don't know. Five know? alarm fire. <laughs> yes or no. <laughs> Uh, Guys, was it good for her? Is it good for America? I think it's great for America. I mean, there's Chiefs are really America's team at this point. You have America's sweethearts with uh, uh, Tay Tay and Kelsey. I mean, did you did you see him giving her giving her some love after the game? Like, thanks, baby, for flying across the across the world to come see me. Like, dude, yeah, which also that's some Kelsey's, bullshit. Kelsey's winning, man. If He's, she if she flew if she flew fucking coach and showed up and be like, yeah, oh my god, thank you for thank being you. here. I thank can't you believe for you made flying it's like, your private jet. Yeah, thank you for fly, yeah flying your private jet with probably a fucking I don't know like. <laughs> Uh, I can't believe you came here on a G4 and not a G6, baby. That was so sweet of you. Such a sacrifice. So, <laughs> Yeah, that, that whole scene was just, that was cringeworthy for me, dude. That was just like, come on, man. Like, I, I get it's a long flight, but it's not like you're flying in discomfort. Like, you have a bed in the back and you're taking a nap and you have a whole, like, dressing area to get ready. Like, come on. It's insane. Uh, I, I have a question for the pod, and this is not an original question, so I'm not going to pretend like it. Uh, who gets a ring first? Uh, Travis Kelsey again with a Super Bowl ring or Taylor Swift with a wedding ring? Tay-Tay. No wedding. doubt. Like wedding ring, not not engagement ring, oh. wedding ring. Like Oh, yeah, that's going to be a quick turnaround. There. Well, regard. I mean, regardless, I mean, that also presumes Wait, it, that... Are, are we saying that like he gets fitted for his... Like their ring ceremony? No, he wins another Super or Bowl. Wins another Super Bowl, okay. or their wedding happens beforehand. Oh, I'll take wedding before easy. Tanner. Yeah, I'm taking. I'm taking wedding as well. They're getting engaged this summer. They've already announced they're they're planning that. It's gonna be a, like Nigel said. It's gonna be a quick turnaround. I bet we're gonna get a nice like maybe like autumn or like winter themed wedding. Maybe. Yeah, I mean that's. I have a Super Bowl ring like, by the way. Right before I'm saying right before the season starts, like August wedding. You know, that, you think they're going to get engaged this summer and then married before the season starts? Absolutely. I mean, they're rich; they can afford to. I mean, Travis might money. never win a Super Bowl again. That that's also yeah, a possibility. Re- he might retire. Well, that I'm could be it too. I'll I'll one up that bet and say that uh, he'll have, or she'll have her uh, wedding band before before he gets his uh, this year's Super Bowl ring, like the ring inauguration. When do you when do you get the ring? Is that uh? Usually the first game of the year, I feel like, right? So you think it's going to be that? Yeah, quick. I'm saying before September 7th or whatever. Insert whatever day the first game is. It'll be a Thursday night. Yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, I got. Saying, I got. I got. I'm saying rings on the rings on the finger. He's a he's a newlywed. I got Kelsey with another Super Bowl before they get married or before their wedding. Was that? You think a three-peat's going to happen? Um, I think that's a high likelihood. If not, I still think that uh, give it another year, you still got you still got a chance. 
Yeah, also, about- Travis did say today, or uh, maybe not today, but a couple days ago, that he's not leaving until Andy Reid leaves. So I assume <laughs> that they're all. In. I don't. There's no chance he's retiring anytime soon until unless. Unless they get this three feet next year, I'd say that's his way out. You know, as number as number one, uh, love loves love guy, and is big on Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. I think uh, this is a really trying time for their relationship because he's been playing football this whole time, and she's on tour. Now he's done playing football, and they really have to chop it up. Yeah, a lot really of people gonna... are in love when they don't live with each other, and they're not spending all their time. Uh, wait till Travis Kelsey is yelling "Viva Las Vegas" on stage at his concert when she doesn't ask him to come on stage, and we'll see. We'll, we'll see how long. We'll see how long the engagement lasts. Uh, when, she, when she gets the ick on concert. live TV. <laughs> what was that, Tan? I said, and his brother Jason's out there tailgating every concert, just like the whole <laughs> yeah. madness of that family. Both of them. Brothers. Both of them are. are uh, or shooting whiskey through bowling balls at, at her concert or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I still believe in, I still believe that it's true love. I've said that before, but I think this is, this is a trying 60 days right now because the, the script is flipped a little bit. Um, I got a question real quick before we move on to, to Seahawks stuff. Um, you want to go way too early uh, next year's Super Bowl picks right now, just for fun? I'd love to. All right, you want to start it off? No, I'm, I want Tanner to yeah, start. Yeah, Tanner starts. I'm usually the one that's not. I'm also not prepared right now, but I'm usually the one that it seems like it gets thrown to when I'm not prepared. I want, I want Tanner to take the reins on this one. I'm gonna take the Bills to win the Super Bowl next year, and I just think it's a long Who are they time playing? coming. Let's say they're going to play the 49ers again. Okay. I say it's 49ers Bills and the Bills finally get that Super Bowl ring. I like that pick. I I think I definitely like the 49ers to go back again if I'm picking right now because despite all the shit I was saying before, it's like I feel like they've proven that they are the best team in the NFC. Yeah. Doesn't mean things can't shake up and I mean, I said it when we are doing uh, playoff picks at the beginning of the playoffs that it's like you're one injury away from losing it. You know, like if Debo tears his ACL and is out for season, I don't like them as much anymore. Um, but I think the 49ers are a safe pick for the Super Bowl in the NFC. Other than the Seahawks, maybe. Who knows? Um for the AFC, I honestly, Tan, I shouldn't have gave it to you first because I probably would have said the Bills, but you know, I'm just gonna go chalk. I'm just gonna go Chiefs again. I I honestly do think that, uh, and again, I'm not the first person to say it is like this would have been one of the years to try to beat the Chiefs. Like they, I think uh, we didn't talk about this on the last pod, but I'd heard it leading up to the Super Bowl. Youngest defense in Super Bowl history is the Chiefs. Yeah, that I hadn't heard that. That's pretty wild. Uh, yeah, and so they got to figure out how to get Chris Jones back because he obviously was a big time playmaker. But if you don't bring him back, you got money to work with. Um, you got to probably get a wide receiver for Patty Mahomes, whether it's in the draft or in free agency. But you got a young defense. I I don't see the Chiefs being a worse team next year. 
Now, that doesn't mean that they weren't that good this year for, well, they were good, but, you know, they weren't a dominant team this year and they still won the Super Bowl, but they're going to be better next year. Yeah. So I'm just going to go rematch just Chiefs 49ers round three. I like it. Um, I'm going to go, I want to, uh, part of me wants to go Ravens in the Super Bowl, but I'm going to go a little different here. Um, not too crazy though. Uh, I'm going to go Bengals represent the AFC. Oh, I like that. Re- represent the AFC yeah. next year. I like that a lot. Um, just healthy Joe Burrow. He's just like got to be healthy. Yeah, exactly. Chase, like I mean, their their offense is bona fide, obviously. And um, if they can put a couple pieces together on the defensive side, I think that. And Joe Cool's the only guy who can beat Patty right now. Yeah, exactly. So. I'm gonna go Bengals for my pick, just for fun, and then um, I like that pick. I'm, and then I'll go Lions. How about Bengals Lions? Hell yeah! A couple of uh, big cat big cats. fights. Yeah, big cat cats. fight. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I think, I think I'll go that. I love for, that. For I should have. I should have done that. I like that one. That's way more fun than <laughs> yeah. my pick. Well, we'll see how crazy that is, but. Yeah. In a uh, in a year from now, when I'm like, you guys are so stupid. I saw this a year ago. I'll feel good about yeah, it. Yeah, or the Lions yeah. come back to yeah, or, Earth. And yeah, or it'll be nine. or it'll be the Chiefs Niners again, and, <laughs> and I'll, I'll sound like an idiot. But what what do you guys think about another spicy pick to represent the uh, NFC? What about the Packers? I think I that's do, a possibility. I, I like I like that as a uh, long odds type team. Like, I think I, I'm curious to see what they do this year because I do think that, uh, not to make everything compared to the Seahawks, but they exceeded expectations this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if they have a little bit, even if Jordan Love plays great, um, they have a little bit of a regression, even if that still means making the playoffs. But um, I think that's I think that's a fun pick. I think the biggest problem is, is that... Uh, Per Nigel's pick is that you play in a division now that has the Lions, who look like a legitimate team, and I wouldn't really count out the Vikings, even though like they haven't, they weren't that good this year, but they are, they've been a tough team for a while now, and I think Kirk Cousins is a free agent, but maybe they bring him back, maybe they find somebody else in there. They still have. They still have weapons. Their defense needs retooling. And you still got the Bears who are kind of laughable, but they got big picks, and maybe if they go maybe if they go get a quarterback that's their guy, like maybe it comes together. I just think that's a tough – I guess a long way of saying is that I think that's a tough division to pick the Packers to win it because perennially you want to be a one or a two seed to, <laughs> to win the Super Bowl. So yeah. you – that's tough in a tougher division, just like the Seahawks and the 49ers, I guess, you know, that's a tough division. So you want, uh, I've, I've got in front of me right now, um, DraftKings futures for uh, next year's champion. Um, hold on, hold on. I want to say one more, I want to say one more fun one that is another long shot, but a different matchup. I want to do one more out there just in case it ends up happening. All right. How about we go, um, Packers versus Jets with Aaron Rodgers coming back. I like I like that. I was I was. It's hard to, for me to buy into the Jets. Yeah, I was going to say the Jets. I, I the Bill thing with the Jets defense. though is that yeah, their defense is really good. And, I got I got a sleeper too. 
Yeah, their defense is good. Like you were saying, I mean, I'll let you say it, Tan. You were the one that wanted to say it, so I'll uh, I'll just agree with you yeah. after you say it. Yeah, just a solid defense. I still believe in their head coach. You got Aaron Rodgers coming back, and there's still you got talent on the offensive side, the supporting cast. With uh, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys like Patrick Mahomes that can take mediocre players and turn them into something a little bit more, make them stand out more. So. Maybe that, and then my other thought with the Packers I was going to say is just youngest team in the NFL, maybe they come out and get another good draft in, maybe sign a few good free agents. So you're kind of talking about a potential like version of the Seahawks back when they won the Super Bowl, a young team that got into the playoffs and put up a good game but ended up eventually losing to the Falcons for the divisional game. And uh, I don't know, could be a recipe for a surprising pick down the road. I got I got one spicy pick. This isn't really on uh, the odds, but maybe maybe they're up there. Is it a? I feel like every sports fan has been burned before by picking them, but I'm just gonna put on the record now. My uh, dark horse is just the Chargers. You got Jim Harbaugh. All that guy does is win. Justin Herbert, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You do like we talked about this before. You have talent there, yeah. and so maybe Harbaugh is just the guy. I mean, like I said before, that you, all the chess pieces are there. You just need to move them into place, and so I don't know that I don't know that I'm going to the casino with that bet. But uh, maybe when we run but through these draft when we run through these DraftKings bets, maybe I'll be more inclined once I hear that they're they got really favorable betting odds. That uh, throw a flyer bet on them just because you know you you put it all together. You don't need to be a dynasty. You don't need to be a dynasty week one. You just need to put it together for one season. So that's my flyer. I still really like Nigel's uh, pick with the Bengals. I wish I would have done that one. Yeah. That was a good one. I think that's a good one. I think people forget that, I mean, they did go to the Super Bowl just a couple of years yeah. ago. And when Joe Burrow is healthy, they're as dangerous as any team because he is – I do think uh, he's the court tonight. Yeah, and we're not going to open this up into a because we'll have plenty of time to talk more like uh, broad football things. But I do think he is one of those guys that's in rare company that it's like when he's on the field and playing, they always have a shot. Yeah, agree. I, I don't know that I feel that way about a lot of like even Lamar Jackson, who I do like, and but I don't know that I look at the Ravens and say. As long as Lamar Jackson's playing, they have a chance to win the Super Bowl. But I do feel that way about Joe Burrow. I don't know that I feel that way about Josh Allen. Given, you know, <laughs> yeah. but it's like Burrow is one of those guys that it's like if he's playing, you can't count him out. So. BDB baby. <laughs> um, okay, so I just wanted to because this was a little shocking to me for just give you some uh, some futures for champion um, next year. Niners are plus five fifty. Chiefs are plus six fifty right now. So there's your top, top two. There's your top two. Um, you're just for some reference points here. Your guys' dark horse um, Packers are plus two thousand. That's um, good. That's a nice bet. Yeah. Uh, Jets are plus twenty five hundred. And you said Chargers. It's even are, better. I think I like the Jets even more now. <laughs> Chargers are plus twenty five hundred. The one that I it just shocks me that the Seahawks. Seahawks are plus sixty five hundred wow. to be the champion next year. Well, you just got a new coach that has never coached an NFL game before. I just, I just find that wow. The Bears are plus three thousand. 
Like we're <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like, I guess that's that's context. I yeah. guess so. I mean, we're not at the bottom of the league by any means, but like it just it yeah. Just I guess that's context. It's like the Jaguars are plus three thousand. We think the Jags well, I don't think are, are, we think the Jags have twice as good of a chance to win. <laughs> than I mean, I don't think that's as crazy because uh, I mean, again, we can go into a quarterback thing later in a different episode. But I think by most accounts, people think that. They have a, they have a guy at quarterback where, I think uh, at least Vegas probably agrees with our podcast in some degrees that you don't <laughs> yeah. have a quarterback in Seattle, Gina, so it's Gina's hard. A jag. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say that uh, the Seahawks are legitimate Super Bowl contenders as long as you don't have a quarterback that is going to change the odds in your favor at all. So. I can see that a little bit, but yeah, the fact that the Bears, <laughs> the Bears are uh, considerably better odds right now. But I mean, they got draft capital right now, so you never know. Um, the Bears, the Bears, the Bears. I, I got one more, uh, more fun off the wall topic that I just kind of thought of. Um, we talked about this uh, after the Super Bowl without you, Tan, um, but it was kind of a fun topic, so. Just see if see if how far we want to go with it. Uh, Super Bowl halftime show for next year. Oh yeah, we did talk about that for a long time. Uh, Super Bowl is in Great. Super Bowl is in New Orleans next year. Um, so Little Wayne. See that. That's it. <laughs> that's that. Uh, that, that is, is the, ultimately where our conversation yeah, after the game got to. But yeah, that is that's the number one odds favorite on FanDuel right now at plus three forty. Um, you wanna you wanna take any any guesses since Luke and I already kind of talked on these, but you wanna take any other guesses on uh, who's in the in the top here? Uh, he's got Creed and Little Wayne. I think they'll probably do something together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little collab sesh. Uh, right now, um, Fanduel has Justin Bieber as uh, number Jeez. two with plus five hundred. Oh wow. It, which I, he made a he made a giant leap there after because he wasn't that high up when we looked at it. Well, I think a friend of the show, Abby, my girlfriend, <laughs> had kind of said this is that Biebs hasn't even been performing. Yeah. Recently, I think he's getting back to performing, or maybe there's some rumors that he might go back on tour. But that's a that's pretty bold that he's second on there because I don't think he's actually done any shows now for a while. Yeah. The big one here, tied with Biebs at plus 500, T-Swift. Could you imagine? Taylor Swift halftime show, Kelsey, Super Bowl uh, MVP. Give me, come on, that's uh, that's a script waiting to be written right there by the NFL. Um, Super Bowl halftime show's got a blank space. Yeah. And, and we're writing her name. And I think really that's the most... T-Swift <laughs> reference. The uh, the most important one to mention here, guy we talked about last week, Drake's on the list, and I think it has to be Drake. 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 It has to be Drake. 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 Yeah, as as number one Drake fan, um, Drake had a good week. Let's <laughs> let's let's parlay that into a good year for Drake, and let's get him the halftime show. Get it with Absolutely. get it with Lil Wayne because they yes. Lil, Lil Wayne discovered him. So yeah, Lil Wayne can even be the feature, but like if Lil Wayne's in it, I just feel like you gotta, it's gotta be like Drake with Lil Wayne. It's Drake's the main, Lil Wayne's a feature in it. And you're just like, that'd be fun, man. Come on. Who doesn't want to see, who doesn't want to see a Drake halftime show? So many hits. 
hits for days. Okay, we we want to see it. So that was I just mostly I just wanted to bring Drake back into the picture here because we talked about it after the Super Bowl quite a bit, and I want to see it. So uh, this is me starting the Drake for Super Bowl halftime twenty five um, uh, campaign, and hopefully we can make that happen. I would love to see a Drake and Little Wayne Super Bowl. That would be great. I have get some uh, bedrock going. <laughs> I have a milli, a milli. I have. Uh, I guess we're kind of we're kind of getting off the rails here, but who cares? Is that uh, Tanner's not here in person? I ran us in, so um, I do have one last question, and maybe we can keep it short. And this mostly just goes to Nigel Tanner. Feel free to weigh in, but uh, we had kind of said this on the last one. Nigel, how would you grade Usher's performance at the halftime show? Because uh, I'm not the biggest Usher guy, so I have my own thoughts, but I don't know that they're as uh, you know, well-educated as yours are. Well, first off, I want to note that unless you illegally downloaded Usher on LimeWire, you're not allowed to even have an opinion on this. <laughs> So, as someone, and that's why I don't have one. Yeah, that's as, why I don't have an opinion. As someone who did obviously download Ursher on LimeWire and uh, all these guys um, that were in that halftime show, I'm allowed to have an opinion. Uh, I thought I thought it was fun. You know, um, I I'm glad that all the features were there. I was stoked to see Luda. Luda that that Luda, definitely felt like a highlight. Yeah, Luda Luda is like one of my favorite. Um, artists uh, if you will from from my high school days when when usher and those guys were popular music so i was i was more excited for luda honestly but i thought usher did a good job you know he, he he's got his hits and he he stuck to those and did you know did a good job with it um i did hit on the fact that yeah was not going to be the first song and that I, I don't know if i said it was going to be the last song but i definitely thought it uh, so I'll give myself credit for that one too. Yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I thought I thought the I thought the features in there were were on point and um, it's getting pretty sexual with Alicia Keys. Do they have a history? Do you know? Um, I don't. Think or is they, it just like that when you're do. listening to Ursher? That like... yeah, it just like I mean, I think he was the heartthrob of every single female, probably including Alicia Keys when they did their collab back in the day. So. Um, you don't get it. It's not every day that uh, you got Ursher grinding up on you. I also want to note, though, <laughs> I heard this from multiple people, and I was thinking it in the moment. I don't know if I said it because I was also in my cups, as Luke said earlier. But um, after it was like after the first song, and then they and then like they cut in on like close up of Usher, and he was just like sweating profusely. And I, I said that and, when we were watching, I was like, I was man, like, he's working hard, dude. He yeah, is sweating. And, and I think I said at the time, at that time to maybe I said to Tika, um, who was sitting next to me at the time, but it was like, he looks like I would look if I was out there performing. <laughs> <laughs> like the, we have like equivalent amounts. And no of offense. Sweat. He's in yeah. better shape than oh, yeah. all of us. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no doubt about that, but he was, he was working it. So, um, Props to Usher. Good, good halftime show. I thought we should have fun. had an over-under bet on time until he took his shirt off in the performance because I think that would have been <laughs> yeah, a good that, one. That that would have been a fun over-under. Get the timer on that one. I wonder if that was a prop you could bet on. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Tanner has any thoughts, but I'll just keep my thoughts short on the Usher halftime show. Is that, uh, I'm not too familiar with his music, but just like any like popular artist is that once he started going, I was like, oh, I recognize a lot more of these songs. 
than I thought I did. Um, well, yeah, dude, that every middle school dance that you were in in high school dance. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks for bringing up a sore subject, Tanner. I didn't really go to that many high school dances, all right? So fuck you. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> Loser, but look at me now. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing a podcast on Valentine's Day. Mm. When Love in This Club came on when you were at a high school dance. Dude. Which he, did he do that song? Over. I don't even remember. Um, but I was going to say is that I feel like personally it was the beginning was kind of flat for me because i was just like i don't really know these songs i think a usher fan probably knows them a lot better so i was kind of like oh i don't know i don't know and then alicia keys comes out and i was like okay that's cool i like alicia keys like she's great and then he got on roller skates oh yeah and i was like okay (laughs) this man knows how to perform and that might have been one of the boldest decisions i've ever seen and uh, I don't know. He rocked the shit. He almost fell once. He definitely got caught on camera, almost falling one time. But I, that's <laughs> I'm I'm impressed. I'm in, I, I'm impressed. That was that was really good. I thought that uh, when the when the roller skates came on, it immediately reminded me that because Usher, even though I think he's from Dallas, Texas, he was like, an, I thought he's an Atlanta guy. He's an Atlanta guy, like that, and that's where he like kind of got his come up. He was saying it at the end too. He's like. We put ATL on the map. Like, that was the last yeah. thing that he said. Which, uh, sidebar, is that, remember, I think I said this during the Super Bowl, like, live when we were here, is that uh, I was saying last week, I was like, what if they have, like, uh, who's the guy, who's the big guy yeah, from? That, this is exactly the point I was getting T.I. T.I. I was like, it's yeah. a T, and you're like, and I think Tanner's like, T-Pain? I was like, no, not yeah, T-Pain. Yeah. And I, I can't remember. who it, It's yeah. fucking T.I. Yeah, T.I. It's two letters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's two letters. I got one of them. I couldn't remember the other one. Yeah, so... I'm kind of surprised, especially when they went on the roller skates, like that it, it all like came to me in that moment because because of the movie Roll Bounce with uh, uh, Bow Wow, I believe is in it. And T.I., I think, produced it. And so <laughs> that probably came out like 06, 07. Movie or movie, music video? Movie oh, about okay. like roller skating, basically. Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, that it's one. like Step Up, but with roller skates more or less. Oh, okay, I know what we're watching when Tanner gets <laughs> yeah, back home. Exactly. It's basically what Usher was doing on the stage <laughs> is the plot of the movie. Uh, That's but, cool. Yeah, star studded, but um, yeah. So that was that was it. Instantly came back to me when we were talking about that before that because that was like kind of a Ti ATL thing. Like I think he had a couple music videos where they're like rolling around on roller skates and stuff. So. Um, well, it seems like it falls in that same vibe, like you're saying with the middle school dances. That at least that's like some roller rink shit from our time. Yeah, that it's like Ursher's gonna be on. <laughs> go, you go on a skate deck. You're, you're gonna go buy buy your girl a fake carnation. Roll around and <laughs> listen corn to dog. Some, yeah, listen to some Ursher. Like, corn dog carnation like, and, and just roller skating. Slow skating around. Yeah, don't fall, bozo. You gotta stay on those skates. Man, I know what I'm doing for Valentine's Day next <laughs> yeah. year. Now, now yeah, that I know. it's true love. Did you guys see that Ursher also got married that night right after the halftime show? What? Well, oh, nice. Like yeah, at, at, a, at a little uh, pop-up thing or whatever. I guess it's not yeah, a pop-up. Like, like a Vegas style? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's wearing like just like this awesome white fur coat too to go along with his whole wedding attire. It was sick. But yeah, I think like right after the halftime show, they went down to... I don't know, the little chapel or something, and got married with that's, whoever he's been dating or engaged awesome. with. I did not nice. see that, but good that, for Usher. Yeah, good for Usher. We love that. Good day for him. Gets to yeah. grind up on Alicia Keys and then go marry his little sweetheart. It's pretty cool. 
It's a dream we yeah. can all get by. Maybe maybe she forced the marriage after she saw <laughs> yeah. saw that with Alicia yeah, Keys. She's like, like we need chemistry a ma- there. We got to lock this thing up. I now. need you to sign the papers now. Uh, not to go on another side tangent, but I got to ask one more question. Luke already kind of solidified that he doesn't have a lot of uh, memories of going to school dances because he wasn't at him because he's a loser. But uh, <laughs> Nigel, what was your Confirmed. best memory at a high school dance? <laughs> I don't know if this is appropriate to say. On... <laughs> <laughs> Nigel, we're almost two hours in. There's there's only a core a core following that's listening um, at this point. I think my well, okay. It there were a lot of fun times, you know. Going oh, wow, going to uh... <laughs> he's getting ready for his mayoral campaign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is boofing? <laughs> That's Not exact- something I was doing at the dance, I swear. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, there were a lot, like, you know, obviously prom is fun. Like, I was dating someone at the time, and, like, senior prom, that was cool. But uh, my favorite my favorite single moment, um, I'm not going to name this person, but there was... Um, <laughs> Say but, it. <laughs> no, but there was someone um, who knew pretty well and uh known for a long time and got just just got a little dirty on the dance floor you know it's a little dirty dancing and uh it was like extra dirty and it was you know as a horned up little high schooler um and it was kind of it it was like right at the time where i was uh a i was single for one um right before i started dating someone long term and it was right i think it was just like my peak moment in high school kind of like where i like my hot to loser ratio was like at its at its best point and so yeah that i i think that was my my favorite time it was just a just a raunchy dance floor time a little raunchy dance floor moment um i got one for you guys from my uh it was the highest of highs and lowest of lows and i might have already told you is the story but it was back when I was a sophomore in high school, and it was for homecoming, I believe. Maybe it was – I don't remember what it was. Yeah, it had to be homecoming because it was, like, during football season. But sophomore year was a uh, starter uh, on the football team, feeling all good and proud about myself, feeling like I was a big dog on campus, hanging out with Nigel Romaine, Jake Estrella. Those guys showing me the ropes. They're the reason why I am who I am today. And – um so I'm sitting there on the sidelines kind of watching all the upperclassmen do their thing and dance around. I'm like, man, I got to get out there. And it was a godsend. I'm going to mention the name because hopefully she's listening. Sonny Fuller came up to me. Oh, nice. Sonny Fuller was like <laughs> – We love Sonny. She was a babe. Absolutely. Like, Sonny's just a super nice, awesome person. She was a uh, – uh, she's a babe, everything else. And uh, she, like, comes up to me. She's like, hey, come dance with us. And she, like, grabs my hand, takes me on the dance floor. Her and I are dancing together. I'm like, dude, I peaked. But the backstory of this is also the dinner that we had that night was at, uh, I think it was Extapa. Uh, we <laughs> nice. <did> this. <laughs> and your boy had bubble gut going on. And I was trying to hold it in as long as I could, but eventually just the nastiest, like, silent dog fart came out of me. And, and dude, it was so bad the entire dance floor just scatters. They just all leave, including Sonny. And I'm standing <laughs> Who did by this? Myself. <laughs> and I'm just like, no. <laughs> so, uh, there was a really 
big high and then it went right to the lowest of low and i don't think i danced with anyone else for the rest of the night and that was uh yeah that was uh that was my experience i uh i just remembered one one additional uh note to mine was that i was also the homecoming king at this point oh thank you for (laughs) uh, i didn't want that to uh get get lost in the sauce here was that uh on top of all of that i was the homecoming king so it was uh i was riding i was riding a pretty big high um so yeah just wanted that wanted that in there wanted it noted i think uh uh I'll, i'll just share one story from uh from uh high school dances and it's really not about the high school dances that uh i think a uh, senior prom went went with a nice enough person whatever and uh had a good time but i think the uh the highlight was is that like she she had a boyfriend or whatever so it's like take her home like there's not going to be any after party or whatever mm-hmm. and uh so I think uh, afterwards I went to uh, one uh, friend of the show, Ivan's house, where uh, I think if my, you know, I've lost, uh, I've lost more memories than I remembered, but uh, I think I might have had my first uh, cigarette, if you will. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> first cigarette. <laughs> there wasn't tobacco in it, though. And then uh, played uh, Wii Tennis for about five straight hours, and I think that was the highlight of my uh, high school dance story. <laughs> high school dance career. Was that, this a uh, jazz cigarette? What a this was boy. a jazz cigarette. Yes, that was the term I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, jazz I smoked a jazz cigarette out of a uh, soda. Out of an apple? Out of a soda can and an apple, and then uh, played Wii Tennis until the sun came up. So I think that was my highlight of my high school dance uh uh, or a high school dance function type thing. So, uh, who's to say who had the better night? I don't know. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. All right, let's Ooh, uh, let's take a quick pause and then uh, I think we should get into. So <laughs> we we've kind of got off the rails here, but maybe get a quick uh, Seahawks update while Nigel plugs his phone into the charger so we don't lose you here, Tan. All right, we'll uh, we'll go we'll head over to Luke's Pizzas and hear what he has to say, and uh, we'll be right back. Hey, it's Luke from Luke's Pizza here. Are you a dirty, filthy little pizza slut? Me too. Luke's Pizza is now accepting orders. If you'd like to place an order, just text the code word PIZZASLUT to 425-350-2379. Feel free to let me know what toppings you'd like on that pizza. I probably won't put them on there, but it's worth a shot. Because at Luke's Pizza, you know the saying, when you're here, your uh, pizza gets it your way. That's Luke's Pizza Promise. All right. We're back for our last segment. Let's talk Seahawks. And you heard it first from the BYLP show that they would be signing Brian Grubb, and that's what they did. So what was your guys' initial reaction to that? I'm sure you were very excited and stoked about the uh, the signing, but uh, let's hear your thoughts. Why don't you start off, Nigel? Yeah. Um, I've been right I, too many times this episode. <laughs> I might as well give you a chance. I think that uh, obviously excited. It's a it's a name that we know, um, and an an offense, frankly, that we know. Um, I think that's the that's kind of the the. I think the main thing I'm excited about is that it just seems like this coaching staff that they're kind of putting together is is just a they're doing things a little different, you know, than everyone else. It's like it's not all traditional NFL guys. 
it's you know we we've got the head coach that's the the guru now you've got the you're bringing in the college guru like best offensive college play caller um and and so i i just think they're they're doing things a little bit different and it's it's fun we know we know grub knows how to call an offense and i think you know at, at the college level to pro level there's there's going to be some changes definitely things that windows are a little tighter but the concepts are all still the same and i think we talked about that a little bit last week that at the end of the day it's like you're trying to get guys open there's 11 on 11 you know like yeah. it, it's all it's all kind of the same thing so you, you if you're if you had you saw how wide open guys were for this husky offense you would like to hope that we're going to see some, a lot of the same thing happening for for the Seahawks offense. So I think they, I think they nailed it again. Like I think the, the coaching staff so far is, is money. So yeah, two, two things on your, on your points right there that I'll say is that like, obviously I agree. Like I wanted them to hire grub is that, um, I'll have a counterpoint, but it's not really a counterpoint. Uh, it's more of trying to validate uh grub to people who maybe, don't watch as much Huskies is that I do think that there's always this, there are question marks when you hire a college coach to come be an NFL coach, whether it's a head coach or a coordinator that you look at grub and the success he's had with offense. And I think anybody who actually knows anything about football be like, yeah, well, part of the reason you're able to have success and we haven't really done a long verse on this before is that the hash marks are wider on the college field yeah. And so there are a lot of really good play callers in college and there's way more of them than there are in the NFL is because you create this wide side of the field that then good play callers know like I have NFL caliber players at these positions and there's more space to cover to one side of the field when you're on a certain hash mark. Yeah. As compared to the NFL, that's why the NFL is way harder to move the football is because it is tighter and like the windows are tighter and the sidelines are tighter for that reason. Right. Grub though. And what you saw with this offense and Michael Penix is that they actually didn't do, you're always going to do some of that. Yeah. But it's like what you saw from Michael Penix in this offense was a lot more NFL type throws that were downfield numbers, outside the numbers. Yeah. And so like, those are the types of things that it's like, yeah, there are guys that like, like chip Kelly, to be honest, is like one of those that it's like, you understand how to manipulate, the space yeah and that same space isn't available in the nfl game just by the very like dimensions of the field and how it's constructed grub is not that guy that did that in college it is a lot of nfl back shoulder outside the number type throws down the field that you're not just relying on having an nfl caliber speed guy that you're putting in a jet sweep or a screen pad like there you're gonna have components of that in any offense whether it's nfl or college but he does bring that levels to his offense that are more in my mind pro style that you do have these levels to your throws and they're outside the numbers so i don't know i'm excited about it and i think he walks into a situation that uh we're geno haters and so like that's something but you definitely have the talent at ever at your skill positions that he should be salivating over. It's easy to say you had Rome, you had McMillan, you had Jalen Polk. How are you going to do this? Like, well, he kind of have a similar threesome at the Seahawks with, with Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jigba and DK Metcalf. Like 
you're not really you're not taking a step back you're not taking yeah. a step back relative to your competition in my mind yeah and i think the other thing that's exciting is that i don't know that that he came up with this slogan but like um it's like the mindset of the UW receivers the last two years. Like they didn't call themselves wide receivers; they call themselves the takers. I think that was Jamarcus Shepard that did. Yeah, that. but it's still it's like it's from the same coaching staff. So like I, I'm I'm well, guessing that I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna clap back on that. Is that Jamarcus Shepard is not from the same coaching staff? We took him from Purdue. He but he was on the same coaching staff with Grubb. Yeah. Like it's the mindset of the the mindset of the coaching staff. Like yeah. overall, like what you want. Jamarcus Shepard was the wide receiver coach, and so maybe he came up with that. He did come up because he'd always say, "Is like any air yards; those are my yards. I've created those yards." Yeah, no, I, I, I heard I heard his yeah. interview saying yeah. it. I'm yeah. just saying, like, yeah. I don't know if it's actually him or if he's the one that's saying it in the, in the sure. interviews. Fair and enough. Grubbs just you know being humble guy, but I think the mindset of it is still the same. That it's like my receivers are aggressive in my offense, and like they go get the ball, like. I think that is that is holds true regardless of whether the slogan came from Jamarcus Shepard or him, and so that part of it I'm excited for because like guy like DK obviously physical specimen, guy like um, JSN, you know, guy that you can easily see going being a, a Roma Dunze type, you know, like same similar plane skill level, and so you saw what he did with a guy like Rome. So I th- I think it's it's uh, something to really be excited about. See him out there, and on top of that, he still. I think I think one of the biggest things he learned from the Huskies is how to how to coordinate a run game, yeah, <laughs> and how important that is to to having a good passing offense. And so I'm hoping that that'll translate well to the to the pro level, and that obviously he's going to have two horses, three, you know, maybe if. Uh, Macintosh gets in there. Um, he's he's got a good running back room though, and he's gonna have a great receiver room. Just needs a a quarterback that can be as good as Brock Purdy, and you can uh, maybe make something happen. Yeah, I mean, we kind of beat beat that drum during the Husky football season. Is that they're obviously pass centric, and that's where he probably feels the most confident. But he showed continually during his time at UW that it's like. I understand where matchups are. Yeah. And we have stacked our roster in a way that our matchups are typically in the wide receiver area, out wide, outside the numbers. But in any given game, he knows how to read a defense and be like, well, our matchup today is running between the tackles. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I, I guess in in summation is it like i'm really excited and um you know i think you know again to pat ourselves on the back i think nigel and i hit it on the head that is like if you're going to get rid of pete carroll you better be bringing in some young minds and i think they've just done a really good job top to bottom so far yeah i mean but it's like obviously get- we're biased but i i feel right now like we've brought in the best young defensive mind in the game and easily a top 5 offensive mind in the game that and it's probably top one offensive mind in the game that's not already in the NFL. Yeah, you know, so that's it's something to be excited yeah. about. Maybe it crashes and burns, but like at least right now, I, I think it's great. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you guys. And and to piggyback on the last thing Luke just said there, this is the ship I would I would go sinking with. Like, this is what I wanted to see happen. This is what we wanted to happen. And so if it all crashes and burns, like, I will still be happy with the, the chance that they took on them and, and everything they've done up to this point. Yeah. And again, I think, I think Grubb steps into a situation is that, uh, I'd feel fairly confident in his ability if he went anywhere in the NFL, but if you're going to make a step up to the NFL, I mean, I, I think the Seahawks are a great landing spot Yeah, for the exact reason is like, this is why we're upset that they didn't play that well this year is that their offensive line could use improvements and their quarterback can use improvements and you know, that can be tough to overcome, but as far as skill position goes, if you're an offensive coordinator, it's like, why wouldn't you want to coach this team? Uh, I would feel yeah. like your running back room and your wide receiver and tight end room right now, like I'd, as talented as anyone, I'd, I'd put yeah. them up against anybody right now. And if you have the ability to call plays, like it shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. So I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be great, and I think uh, we're gonna see. I think if um DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett is just steady Eddie so I don't know that any offensive coordinator would like move his needle <laughs> that far <laughs> but if I'm if I'm DK Metcalf and I'm Jackson Smith and Jigba especially but even Ken Walker I'd be like hell yeah like yep. this is a guy that is going to find ways to get me in space and that's really all that's all play calling is about yeah for offense is find ways to get me a chance to get the ball with a chance to turn my head upfield yeah, because they're all great athletes and they can make plays. Seahawks also uh, managed to snag Scott Huff. I think they made that official too. Yeah. So another uh, UW tie there, offensive line coach for UW for the last few years. Um, now or was at Bama. Now Seahawks. Um, I know Luke has some reservations about him, but at the very least, I think he's uh, he's shown that he's he can turn guys into good pass blockers and. Yeah, we kind of we kind of we kind of chopped this up uh, off air, but Scott Huff, I think, I guess my reservation with Scott Huff as an NFL line coach is that he definitely has proven that he knows how to develop pass blockers, and that's for sure. But his biggest strength as a college offensive line coach was always that he's a great recruiter. Yeah. And and then he does a nice enough job. And Nigel and I were kind of going back and forth about this. That it's just like, I don't know, at least the two of us watch a lot of Husky football, but it's like, can you name a bunch of offensive linemen that are like legitimate players in the NFL right now? Because there's really not that many. Like there's a handful, like Caleb McGarry playing right tackle for the Falcons was a first round pick and he's a really good player. You got other guys that more so are just kind of like uh, late round picks that have carved out a career like Coleman Shelton, who plays center for the Rams, Nick Harris, who played center for us and now is a rotational offensive lineman for the Browns. Mm -hmm. And you have some guys, but uh, I mean, this is where Nigel and I kind of disagreed is it's like he consistently got big time recruits to come to UW and he didn't really turn them into NFL picks outside of a couple. And most, and most of the ones he got were late round picks when, you know, just cause you're a four star offensive lineman coming out of high school doesn't mean you're going to play in the NFL. Like there's so many, you know, just like it, 
we talked about this with you sports last week. Is it like the chances that you're actually going to make it to professional sports is really low, but like he did recruit big time players that are NFL prototype, uh, NFL prototype O linemen. And you didn't really see that kind of production. Now he's got a couple guys this year, like Troy, you know, playing left tackle for us that will probably be a first round pick or early second round pick, but his development, I don't think has been on par with his recruiting. So that worries me a little bit, but at the same time, you're still paired with Ryan Grubb. Who's your offense coordinator. You know how to coach them up to block your scheme. Yeah. And that might be more important than all of the other things. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, I think that's what he's shown the last couple of years. I think he was, we uh, part of what we talked about off air, but he was the offensive line coach for John Donovan, who, who might have the worst offense in the history of football. So hard to hard to make a judgment on that those three years or whatever that he was coaching that line because their entire game plan was to put Be eleven shit. put eleven guys in the box and uh, run right up the middle. And hard to do when you didn't have guys that could uh, could do that. So it, mixed results. Obviously, the last two years it's been really good. Before that, it was there were some questions. So I, overall, I think he's. Uh, I'm excited. He's a hometown or hometown guy to us. I li- yeah, Seattle, I like but, the guy. Yeah, exactly. I like the guy, and I want him to succeed. And so I'm glad he's here because he's somebody I want to root for. Yeah, I'm just presenting. Yeah, some uh, some of my uh, trepidation with the hiring, yeah. just because in my mind, from because I mean he was he was here he's here through three coaching three coaching staffs. He started with Peterson. He came over with Chris Peterson, mm-hmm. stayed for Jimmy Lake, and then stay. He was the only coach retained under under DeBoer on the staff, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I already lost my train of thought. But so uh, I guess I guess the thing is, is that uh, I want I, I want to root for him. I want to support him because he's been here for a while. But I have trepidation. Yeah. Tanner, man, did your phone die? Did we lose Tanner? Kind of looks like it. Well, it sounds like we lost Tanner. Um, sounds like Nigel's phone died. <laughs> One of the technical difficulties of uh, having Tanner call into the show. Probably should have had Nigel's phone on the charger <laughs> the entire <laughs> yeah. time, but uh, you know we're we're learning this as we go. But anyways, I think we beat um, Grub and Huff. You know we beat that horse or whatever. But the last thing I wanted to finish with is uh, I'm going to be honest. I didn't read the article. I just saw kind of the headline, and it was from uh, Seven Ten Zone uh, Mike Salk, who I do not like. But I actually kind of agreed with at least the headline. I didn't read the article, like I just said, because I think the guy sucks. But he would kind of posited it really, to me, strikes as a overreaction Monday type material that the Chiefs win again. And they obviously traded away Tyreek Hill two years ago. And they've won two back-to-back Super Bowls. But had kind of asked the question, like, do we think it's a good idea to trade DK Metcalf uh, for, I guess, in his mind, obvious reasons that it's like you can get more assets back uh, if you have the guy at quarterback, which <laughs> the Seahawks don't, that uh, 
you don't really need to spend that much money on on that position to get it done. So I'll just throw it over to Nigel. Is that what do you think about the prospect of the Seahawks trading DK Metcalf in order to supplement the rest of the team? Well, I think the first thing with that article, I also haven't read it, but just I'm breezing it real quick. And my understanding of it, though, is that he's talking about the Chiefs, obviously, and their their uh, trading of of um, Tyreek Hill, and then being able to win a Super Bowl because of that, or despite that, not having their star wide receiver. But the first flaw with this, is, I think, is that you're discounting the fact that the Chiefs have Mahomes as their quarterback. Yeah, and not a generational Jada, talent. Yeah, a guy who's already are already won three Super Bowls in his first six seasons. Um, something that Gino can never say he's done. Um, so that's I think that's the first first fault in the article. But I mean, I, there are I mean I can understand some of the merits of it that you're saving money and there's a lot of wide receiver talent out there, but. I, I just think at some point you you still you you almost have to pay a guy like him, um, just because then your capital can be or your draft capital that is can be spent elsewhere. And you, you did get and you got JSN, <clears throat> so you have your you have your two top end receivers now, and now you can focus your draft capital on the other holes in your in your team that that are really important to be filled instead of having to go back to the well and get someone since you don't have that quarterback. Like now you can spend that draft capital on a quarterback instead yeah. of having to get another wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, I think initially, I mean, I do agree with your point, although I don't think it's the craziest idea in the world. And in my mind, this just kind of goes back to what I thought initially when we re-signed them for a lot of money is that, I do, I do like that they gave him the contract because it's nice to see an organization reward a player that they feel like is is a good guy and you know they spent a, they actually traded back into the second round to pick him so you're doubling down on the fact that we believed in you then and now we believe in you more and yeah. so we're going to give you a contract and that's all nice and well but I do think that. DK is almost a good example of it too, though, is that it's like you trade back into the second round, which is fairly high, but it's not that high. That it's like wide receiver position more than ever, it they're a dime a dozen. You can go get guys. And granted, you just spent a first round and or granted or not granted, is that you just spent a first round pick again on a wide receiver mm-hmm. to go get Jackson Smith and Jigba. So I don't know if that tells you that you just really like the player and it was best available or you didn't believe in the wide receiver core that you had so you felt the need to address it but I just don't know that and I hate to say it because I for the most part like DK other other than the fact that he has no hands is that (laughs) is he truly like you're paying him what 25 million a year is he truly a game-changing player that if you spread that money out to other players or or even drop that money into a position that is of more need, like, would you get more value out of it? I completely agree yeah. that, like, you're taking for granted the fact that Patty Mahomes is the type of player that is on just a, not just not just 
2023, like he's on a different plane than almost all players. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know that I would use that. That feels like overreaction to be like, well, they got rid of Tyreek Hill and they've been just fine. It's like, yeah, well, you need to find Patty Mahomes then. And I don't know that you need to trade DK to go find that guy. Yeah, I think that because you, you just don't find that guy. Like he doesn't just magically appear. Also, what you know, unless you were getting a, let's say a top ten pick, something that you plan to go get your quarterback for, do you th- do you really think you can garner a top ten pick from trading DK right now? Do you think you maybe? Get, do you think you could even get a second round pick? Like honestly. Yeah, well, yeah, ex- <laughs> yeah, and I think that's so fair. Quite, like, what is his value? Yeah, what is his what is his especially with that contract? With with that contract, he's I think as it stands, I I like DK and I, like maybe he's not the most talented receiver that has ever graced the earth, but I think he's a pretty darn good run blocker for one, which is a you know underrated asset in a in a wide receiver. He's probably the best in the league at it most physical in that sense, you know, willing to go out there and, and make blocks and do that. But maybe not the best hands. I, I just can't imagine that. I can't imagine that anyone would even trade a first round pick for him. Yeah, you know, and, just cause that's the NFL. Day, and, unless you're a, unless you're a top, top tier, you know, one of one at your position, like you're not really getting first round and especially top 10 capital from any of those guys. And again, I did no show prep, so I didn't actually read the article. I just saw the headline, so I figured it was worth throwing into the show. But so maybe maybe Salk is saying like next year, and I don't even know how many years DK actually has on his contract right now, but I would think that you got something, Nudge? No. Oh, sorry. I'm just, I, I'm I, just... Thought, I thought you were going to tell me the answer. No, no. Uh, is that if you do believe in Ryan Grubb like we do, as I'd say is that, Two things is that one, I don't know that I'd trade him right now because you don't have the quarterback, and he actually might be the type of player that with Grubb in there can propel you over the top. Because two, you might see a explosion from DK this year. Yeah, because you finally have a guy, unlike Shane Waldron, who I kind of went to bat for a little bit, but honestly, I, you know, I think it's. 50 50 Gino and Waldron is that there just wasn't a lot going on there that now you might actually have a play caller that can get the most out of DK and your quarterback is going to need that in order to succeed. You're going to need that kind of playmaker out wide. And on top of that, maybe, maybe this is a year down the road that it's after he has his big year this year. Now you can trade him because now he's actually shown because like, to be honest is that with DK is that he's talented, but, it, it, it's not like he's done anything in his career so far. He still has time to, you know, do more. But he hasn't done anything that's like crazy. Yeah, he's just he's, he's had good numbers solid, by but, he's had yeah. good numbers by Seahawks all time numbers because outside of Steve Largent, who played in an era where they didn't throw the ball, is like the Seahawks haven't really had any receivers. Like, I guess you know I'm number one Tyler Lockett hater. That it's like people love Tyler Lockett, but it's like it's not like he's lighting the world on fire with his stats. His only good years have come since DK got there, and that's because DK is at least talented enough to take pressure off of him and open him up. Yeah, 
Um, I do have the answer here for what Sulk said in his article for value. He said start or look at AJ Brown trade as a possible starting point. Yeah, so like a sixteenth overall pick, eighteenth overall, 18th. and one hundred and one. So first round, eighteen overall, and then a third round pick. And then he's which isn't bad. And he's claiming, but that's but that's before he got a contract. And that's that's exactly what he's claiming. He's he's like Metcalf's already paid, and so it's actually less risk because you don't have the risk of making that deal and then doing a, a one in. He's one and out. Yeah. You, you like, you have the deal locked up, which they signed AJ Brown immediately to a contract. That was part of the whole reason he left was because he wanted a contract. So I don't know if that's exactly apples to apples, but he's saying maybe, a, maybe because of that, you could get a first and a second round pick. Cause he's already gotten a large, chunk you, of his you know what the number is. Yeah. And he's already gotten a large chunk of it from the Seahawks. Yeah. In signing bonus money. Yeah. Like I said, is that I think I think Salk is taking some liberties in there because I don't know that using the Chiefs is a great example because unless you unless Patty Mahomes is walking through that door or his equivalent, yeah. Then like I don't know that that situation is apples to apples, like you just yeah. said. But I do think that broadly speaking, and I thought this when they signed him, is just that I think wide receivers are getting paid a ton of money right now. And I think there's going to be a market correction that is coming in the next couple of years that it's like running back has been running back has just been so devalued in the NFL that guys are going to stop playing running back and they all play wide receiver now. So you're going to find guys. Yeah. And so it's just going to be the same thing that happened to running backs is that, is that there's going to be just this like mass number of players that come into the NFL that it's like, all these guys are good wide receivers. Why would I pay any of them? Yeah. I think if, in like, I guess using the AJ Brown comparison, I thought that Tennessee did a poor job overall <laughs> with the picks that they received in that. But like, if you, if you, let's say you got a first and a second, a mid first round pick and a second round pick mid round, I would say that'd be worth it. Yeah, in yeah, a way because the problem, because the problem, you can pick the next eight, or you can pick the next DK. Well, well, then, that's where I'd counter is that I'd say is that that's the problem with the the AJ Brown Tennessee trade is that my whole point is is that I wouldn't trade DK to get a first round pick and a second or third to use a first round pick on a wide receiver. Go use it somewhere yeah. else. Well, I'm saying you could use the second round pick on the wide exactly. receiver exactly and get a guy you could find you could find wide receivers in the second third or fourth round yeah that are good you just need a quarterback yeah I, you, yeah you i'm not saying you use the first round pick i'm saying yeah. you use that that's second, a problem that second or third round pick to get a guy that's maybe maybe a step below that's the problem that's the problem with tennessee's example is that it's like they got went first round Traylon burks who like which i didn't think was a good pick has played as many games as d eskridge <laughs> he's played a few more yeah, but yeah, yeah. same problems yeah though. but even even him i didn't think that was a good pick then because he wasn't actually that good in college yeah so it didn't make sense but even if it was roma dunze you know who we all like that it's like i just don't think that you need to use that high of draft capital to go find a guy who can be good it's just more important that you have somebody at the quarterback position yeah and so maybe sulk kind of gets into that a little bit is that if you use that capital to move up to go get the quarterback that you need, I don't know that that person is there right now that's legitimately attainable, but if that's your mission, I don't know that it's 
I don't know that it's a bad idea. I think it's probably yeah. a good idea. But even if you don't go get the quarterback, like fill your defense, fill your offensive line, fill the positions that are going to round out your team. Don't spend $25 million on a wide receiver when you just kind of proved it right now is that you can go get a wide receiver. You just got a wide receiver in the first round, and he'll be cheaper. Yeah. He'll still be expensive, but Jackson Smith and Jigba is still way cheaper than DK is. And if you have a good offensive play caller, which I think we all think Ryan Grubb is, and you have a good enough quarterback, they will make that work. You need the rest of your team to be yeah. solid. You can get a guy like Jalen Polk in the third round. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then and then that fills your fills that same kind of need, your deep threat guy. Yeah. You know? So yeah, exactly. So like DK is kind of but I was gonna say he's kind of one dimensional, but I do think that Ryan Grubb is the type of offense coordinator that will Make him not not make him one dimensional. It's like run the guy in a fucking slant. Yeah, that's the that's (laughs) run the the guy in a comeback route. That's what what I'd be. You know, I guess I'm interested to see is that I don't think it'd be the worst. I don't think it's the worst idea that's ever been posed. I just um, I'm also equally as curious to see what what Ryan Grubb Grubb can unlock from him. Yeah, I I think my main takeaway is, is that it's like. The way the team is constructed right now, you need a guy like DK in twenty twenty four. Yeah, because you need to help. You need to help your OC. You need to help whoever's playing quarterback, whether that's Geno or they draft somebody or it ends up being somebody else. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, whoever it is, unless you somehow get Patty Mahomes, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. unless you get a guy that's a bona fide top five or top ten quarterback in the NFL, which, which is not going to happen. Be like the Chiefs, and get rid of your best guy because you're like, we already, right. we know that he's a good. But for 2024, you need him on your team. Yeah. After that, like, this is a great opportunity to like blast his stats, up his value, and then you could dump him. And I think that's not a bad idea at all. Yeah. But. In summation, I, I I do think that it's like we're going to see this uh, market correction in the wide receiver department that it's like there's too many talented guys and they're getting paid right now and running backs don't get paid that you're going to see these guys that doesn't doesn't matter if they're a first-round pick or they're a fifth-round pick. Like there are talented guys to be had. I mean, look at Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah. Was, it, was he a third-round Fourth round? I think he's a fourth round pick. Yeah. Maybe a third. Maybe a third. I mean, I'm but, not surprised that Amon Ross St. Brown was good. I no, I'm not either. Fantasy football. No. But. So, like, we're going to we're gonna see what happens, but I do think it's a, you know, for offseason fodder, like, it's a, it's a good topic. Yeah. I do think it's very overreactionary because it's the Monday after the Super Bowl and obviously <laughs> the Chiefs got rid of Tyreek Hill. Yeah, so it's it's easy to it's easy to say right now that it's a good idea because the Super Bowl champs just did it. But yeah, I like you said, I think that you gotta for twenty twenty four season, it seems like you gotta have him on the roster. Yeah, so I think we're in agreement with that. Anyways, uh, I think it's time to wrap up the show. Uh, we lost Tanner for the last little bit, but uh, don't worry, he'll be back for the next episode and hopefully the entire episode. <laughs> Uh, it was fun getting him on the uh, phone here. I think that's the first time we've done that since uh, episode two, where we did a little, uh, little online Zoom, Zoom, Zoom kind of thing. Uh, we've been pretty 
stringent on keeping it in-house so it was a fun uh learning experience but that's all i got for now so uh for episode 26 of the bring your lunch pail podcast uh see ya see ya